Welcome to episode 525 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 525 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How are you going, mate? Pretty good. Yeah. Nice, and, nice and early this morning. Six o'clock sharp. Getting keen as it been. We're going to watch the sun come up. No weather report today, though. It's, it seemed like it was getting pretty cold. It's okay. It's no no weather report. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So it's going to be a week we're going to talk about. This week we'll be talking about for a while, I reckon. It could well be. Yeah. Could well be. I can't see what be. happened in the last week happening for at least another year. I know. <laughs> and maybe for a few years. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yes, uh, I'm talking proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Uh, social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And uh, you guys absolutely rock. And Jombo, let's name a few patrons. It's not, I haven't actually got my list in front of me, but let's name a couple that are uh, going to be racing this weekend. We've okay. got Chrissy the Grinder. McKinley, who nice. you'll hear from later in Racing the show. Here. She'll be ra- actually she's racing the week after at Altuez. Oh. And well she is doing the fifty one fifty. So there are still some fifty one fifty races out there, Bevan. What happens with fifty one fifty? Not a lot. And they've really kind of no? blossomed into the thing that they kind of made out it was gonna be. But at challenge not a challenge, at Ironman Switzerland this weekend, they do the fifty one fifty on the Saturday, I believe. <laughs> and then they have Iron Man on the Sunday. So she's doing the 5150. Zania the Maybe Stalker Morrison is racing Iron Man Zurich. Okay. Uh, I can't think of anybody who else is racing this weekend that we've got nicknames for, but a couple of others. Victor Machina Vorebiev. Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> uh, Eddie Magneto Farrell. And Jeremy the Arrow Romero. There we go. So if you want to become patron of the I Am Talk, you just go to www.iamtalk.me and it's all very simple once you hit our homepage. Okay, Jombo, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got an interview with a legend. Spencer Smith, our first ever on this show guest on Legends of Triathlon. He was great on Legends too, wasn't he? Yeah, he and, was I, and really I noticed great. you actually, because I was... Um, I was scanning through to try to find something else the other day. I noticed he was a replay over the Christmas break this year. I did a put him on, did I? Mm. Oh, there you go. So you guys would have heard of him recently. Mm. And he was really great. So he's coming on. He's been doing some pretty amazing stuff in Africa. We're going to find out. I'm not sure what he's doing, but it sounds pretty crazy. So Yeah, so we, we're going to have a bit of a chat about that. Then we're going to do uh, some news, a uh, hot topic. Uh, we're going to chuck the last of the Epic Cap interviews on and a few questions and answers at the end. Well, Jombo, the big news really this week was there was a race in a little place called Road. It is, it's not that big a place. No, it's a very little place, really. I remember mm-hmm. going there. And uh, I have to say, Jombo, wow. Dojo Dominations, it's great when someone goes up, but talks up, talk up a big game, you know what they're capable of doing, and they go out and do it. And, and do it, they did, man. It yeah. Was so, in case you're reef. not connected to the triathlon world, Jan Fredino went out there and swam at 45.22. He rode... 408.07 and ran 239.18 for a 735.39 at Challenge Road. Pretty bloody impressive. It was a solo TT effort. So there was. Uh, and he had a pack behind yeah. him on the bike. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, but they're about 10, 15 minutes yeah, behind him. 10 minutes on, because I think he had 90 seconds out of the water, mm. and then by the end of the bike, he had 10 minutes. Mm. And he lost 90 seconds because he had a slight crash in the bike as well. And one thing that, you know, sometimes people have been have mentioned, you know, that these races, oh, they get dragged, the top guys get dragged along um, by the... Drafting of the, of me, the, the media vehicles. And, yep. and I noticed on um, Slow Twitch that, uh, was it Herbert or someone on, had, had said there was a special meeting before the race with all the media vehicles and there were specific instructions as to how far away they had to be. Here it goes. Prior, prior to race organisers, um, organisers set up a, a media and moto meeting and put very strict rules on media and other motorbikes so the athletes at the front of the race would not have an unfair drafting advantage all vehicles were told to have a minimum 25 meter gap when riding in front and three meters to the side and the Roth team added security bikes to make sure everything was kosher and there would not be any gray area in case of a record so it was a record and it was bloody impressive and he did solo tt it all day i watched a little bit of the coverage online gotta say the the picture quality was immaculate it was oh, really? almost like it was high definition tv because i think streaming. it was streaming live to tv so it probably was but it was bloody impressive the um, they have english commentators they did it wasn't uh, i wasn't really listening to it but they were kind of talking over the top of the german a little okay, bit yep. so i think they were getting the i think they were maybe getting the the german tv feed and then kind of just talking over the top of yep. it so the english commentary wasn't anything great the other thing that i would say is uh it looked like they were doing GPS tracking. I didn't actually look at it at the time. It was kind of an after the race. So I looked at it and thought, oh, looks like they had GPS tracking. But I didn't see it during the race. I'm not, so I'm not sure how if it was good or if it wasn't good. Um, but it certainly looked like they were doing it for all athletes. Uh, in terms of the live tracking, uh, I thought it was really good. You, they had a number of points on the bike. So it was like, what, they have 37K, 70K, 120K, 153K. So if you were just watching the live tracking for where all Get the athletes were, it, you, you did get a good feel for what was going on. So, um, yeah, overall, I thought the live coverage was, was reasonable. So but he gets off the bike. He's already four minutes ahead of the lead, but he still had to run a pretty decent run. And That was bedtime for me, so oh, I didn't, really? didn't, didn't see what he was doing on the run. But the post-race comments sounded like he was uh, suffering like a dog late in the run. Um, and, you know, he was on record time and he was working really hard. So, you know, 2.39.18 is a sensational run time. He's... A, He's a runner who's probably capable for, of more than that, but maybe he bikes. Oh, when you've given it all uh, on the bike, oh yeah, swim, I'm you know? not being critical at all. Sure. Um, <laughs> if he had, you know, had someone to ride with, maybe he could have run a little bit faster. So I reckon there's probably a little bit of wiggle room there. So we think there is a, a seven thirty sub seven thirty at some stage. Well, potentially, he'd need some. He'd need people to go with, and that's the thing. That's what's so impressive about Andreas Raylert and. Yeah, and Fredino, when they did it, it was solo TTs. Right from the start, because apparently, so they're saying, one thing I was reading was that people thought that he'd swim off someone, but they even just took it from the swimming at the start. Like, pretty much, mm. the gun goes, and see you later, everybody else in the race. Mm, Pretty impressive. So he made some comments. I've just got an email challenging it through, and he just said, uh, uh, when I read the time, I was obviously very happy with it, but it was a mix of disbelief and contentment. Um, I wanted to go big or go home, which is what you want when you go out and big, try to break a record. I've worked hard and trained hard for this, and I'm really, really glad that it's on my bucket list. I'm very, very sore. It's quite hard coming down from the hype. It was absolutely manic and equally sensational out there. Uh, there were so many goosebump moments. There's 270,000 spectators on the course. Anyone who saw me in the last two case saw that what was going on. Man, I was in pain. It was awful, but to be honest... Uh, it was awful to be honest. A marathon at the end of 180 k's is really painful. 
but being my fastest marathon, it really hurt. But the endorphins did kick in, and he just and he kind of said, you know, like you can understand why Rote is the race that it is because history doesn't really buy you what yeah. Rote is. So. Spectacular performance. Yeah. And twenty-one minutes in front of second place, but twenty-one minutes. But Joe Skipper, second place, ran. Two thirty-eight fifty-two. Yeah, which is bloody impressive. I think he's like six off the bike, wasn't he? He yeah, he wrote. I saw a Facebook post just before I came around. And he was saying he wasn't that happy with this bike ride. He averaged. What's he saying? I think he averaged three hundred eight watts. To put that in perspective, that's basically my you know just a little bit above my maximum at one hour FTP. So he's doing that in one hundred eighty k's, then getting off and running a two thirty-eight. And I'm think not Fredino averaged. Yeah. Oh, God knows. He's a bigger unit as well. So Joe Fredino is roughly my size, I think. Joe Fredino? No, this is a new Joe Fredino. <laughs> yeah. So he went 7.56 for a new British record, which is and, – and he's a he's a biker, and to be able to run 2.38 yeah, is bloody that's, that's impressive. impressive, isn't it? And Nils Fromhold, who was last year's winner, also break, broke the eight-hour barrier, uh, going 7.57.49. Silver and O was uh, fourth, and a guy, Nick – Castlin, I can't even read that, bloody hell, it's not very clear. Nick, can you read it from there, Ben? I think it's Castlin, Castlin, maybe yeah. Castlin. Anyway, he, uh, he was on debut, uh, he was an uh, Australian who... Uh, on debut? Caston Lane, Caston Lane, um, from Australia, on debut, uh, smoked it and got fifth place. Nice work. Impressive work on debut. That's That's awesome. Yeah. Todd Butterfield was up there uh, part of the day in sixth, uh, so good on him. And then uh, the girls' side of the race was pretty much equally impressive. Daniela Reef also did a solo TT uh, all, all day in terms of the female. She would have had some guys around her from time to time, I'm sure. She swam 49, rode 4.31. She was on course record pace uh, and ran a 2.57 for an 8 22 which is only four minutes off Chrissy's record and yeah she was well ahead of record time apparently off the bike but 257 I can't remember what Chrissy ran but I, I think it would have been in the 240s or something like that when yeah. she she set that record to 822 she was, on, she was on par for a while to get oh, it yeah and then just kind of faded in the last bit I think she would have been well ahead but uh 257 is not gonna not gonna cut the mustard when you're up against Chrissy so still amazing performance by her but in, but in saying that it kind of shows that this you know we kind of knew Reef was a legend anyway but it kind of means that you know she's of Chrissy's standard, isn't yeah, she? It's just a stunning just a time. Just pity Chrissy retired early. Yeah, you know, because imagine if we had Chrissy, because Chrissy still could be. What? How long ago did she retire? Maybe four years ago. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, yeah, about four years ago. So, yeah. you know, she she could still be of. She'd probably oh, be yeah. in the latter part of her career, but you, you know, but Chrissy mm. being Chrissy, she's not forty or anything like that. No, she's, she'd, she'd be. I'm guessing mid thirties. Yeah. So like, imagine mm. if we had Chrissy and Reef going for it right mm. now. Oh, what great racing that would be. So. Uh, I, I called a little bit of BS on, I think, was it Tony Hodge? I can't remember. Some, or someone posted on my Facebook page um, a, an article that Brett Sutton wrote uh, about why Daniela Reef is going there when she's still, got to, she's still got to go and do an Ironman and validate for, mm. for Kona somewhere. And he was sort of saying, oh, she's just going to go there. She's not really going there to win or anything like that. And I thought, 
That's a load of shit. She's going to go out there and absolutely drill it. I think that the, the point of the article was, she and she, and she mentioned that in post-race, I think, or pre-race, she was going out there to have fun. She didn't yeah. care if she won. She was just going out there to have fun. And by that, I, th- I sort of read, she's still going to go out there and smash it. Mm. But t- 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 took all the no pressure, pressure off. Race. Yeah. And, um, and I, I figured she would just be going for it. She blew up. You know, She may, may not have pushed quite so hard. But that's, um, that's an impressive, impressive performance. Second. Well, Second fastest of all well, time. Well, she's got some comments here. And it's got um, it's a motivation to be as fast as Chrissy was one day. She's a legend. I really admire her and how strong she was. But not everything was about the record. I do hope to come back here one day and come up with a faster race, said Reef. Big respect for Frodo for saying that. But then later on, she goes on to say. Um, I've missed going to races and just enjoying them. Usually it's about a record or qualifying or trying to win, but this race is all about enjoying it, she said. It was one of those days when I didn't care about winning. I just wanted to go out there and swim, bike and run, and that's what I did, and I'm super happy it went so fast. So, again, and geez, geez, our sport's in a pretty cool time when it comes to two very impressive athletes. What? Someone who is not, that I haven't seen a great deal of comment on, is Carrie Lester who finished in second place, eight forty two thirteen. You take Chrissy out of the picture, you mean? And pri- uh, pri- no, take Chrissy out of the picture. So I went on try two four seven dot com. Good old John Levison has a great update there in terms of all the fastest times in history. Yep. You take Chrissy out of the picture, and oh, you can't. I mean, I'm saying you take Daniela Reef out of the picture as well. Seven eight forty two thirteen is the second fastest time in history. Wow. Well, so you, Chrissy's yeah. basically got one through five <laughs> rankings at the moment, <laughs> yeah. And then now, well, Reef, I think the Reef was the third fastest. Re- Reef will slot in there now yeah. as well. But then in sixth place, you got Rachel Joyce at an eight forty-two twenty-five. But Carrie Lester beat that. Wow. So that is an amazing. I mean, she was twenty minutes behind, so she's probably not going to get a lot of love. But that's an incredible time for someone who is not necessarily a top ten in Kona, being up against you know Joycey, who is one of the most consistent performers out there, and Daniela Reef and and Chrissy Wellington. So that's an incredible performance, and I hope she gets a bit a bit of credit for it because uh, she swam fifty two, bike four forty two, and then ran three hours flat. So. Uh, Awesome race, and Yvonne Van Vlerken as well. That's the best yeah. time we've seen from her in a long time. Eight forty nine, and Laura Siddle became joined the sub nine hour club as well with a, an eight fifty one. So on both the guys and the girls side of things, we saw a number of sub eights for the boys, three of them, and uh, four sub nines for the girls. So it was clearly a pretty good day for racing. John, the question I have for you, and I know this is totally off topic, well not really off topic. Where does Frodino at this point go down in history as greatest triathletes? Uh, well, I think I was thinking about this the other day, and it's yeah, he, he he's already there. Yeah, but, but like the greatest, the greatest. Oh, his career probably hasn't been quite as long as some. Yeah, but what and, he's achieved, and he wasn't. He certainly is right up there. But he in his ITU career, he was he won the Olympics, but you wouldn't say he was a dominator like 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 Brownlee. Like Brownlee. Okay. Uh, so. And the reason I was thinking about this the other day is, if you, in case you haven't heard, uh, Javier Gomez is out of the Olympics. Oh, it sucks. And he's an amazing athlete and will go down as one of the greatest, but he's a victim of there not being a world champs anymore, really, in uh. terms of he won the World Series a number of times and, and I, he may have won the world champs final, um, I can't remember, um, but because it wasn't that standalone world champs where you dominate each year, say like a Simon Lessing just rocked up and won 
however many he did. Spencer Smith did the same. Um, Gomez just, because he now didn't get to do the Olympics and won the Olympic gold, so, oh, it just takes a little, he needed that feather in his hat. Yeah. And then, uh, so he's got to have to, he's going to have to win Kona a couple of times, I think, to sort of be regarded as, you know, one of the, the, the absolute greatest of all time. Because for, for Dino, Olympic medalist, Kona champion, he's the 170.3? Yeah, he's 170.3 last World year. record holder. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, his pedigree is pretty high now. Like, obviously, you've got Mark Allen, who kind of dominated a different mm. time, but still. For, for, for Dino to do what he's done in this time. Oh, yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. And he's still got, you know, how he's, old is Fidino? No, he's still got plenty of years in the tank in terms of uh, racing Kona and, and setting a real legacy there. So. The only pity is Fidino. How, how bad is Gomez? What's the problem? Uh, broken arm of some description or collarbone oh. or something like that. Because I, I did think immediately when I yeah, saw go, I thought, well, he just have to, but he hasn't really probably got many points. Did, did he win the World Champs last year? 70.3? No. He, he, uh, was the year before, was it? He was second or third last year. Yeah, it was him. It was it was. If you won the seventy point three champs, you do get an entry to Kona, don't you? You got to validate. You got to validate. Mm. But does it, you do you still get the five years like they do with the Kona champs? No, no, no. Because I'd love it if he rocked up. Oh, it'd be great. Oh, how cool is that? Come on, WC, sort that one out. Break your own rules. Yeah, everyone will love you if you do it. So <laughs> overall, challenge wrote sounded like it went extremely well. I noticed when I was watching the coverage that Thomas Hellriegel was up there in the top eight on the bike at one stage. Really? I don't know where he finished. Uh, Jurgen Zach went nine oh nine. So they do a really good job of looking after their past legends over there. And comments from other people. I put a quick post people on our Facebook it. page. Um, no real negative comments at all. People were loving it. It was a fast stay at the office had a few guys from the the, the speak up um sort of push in in the states from richmond virginia um, speak up uh it's sort of fundraising for sort of teenage depression oh, okay, and a number cool. of the guys went over there rob spine tingler green and moose herring were over there and a bunch of those guys and i think like a lot of people they were surprised at how hard the course is they're like how the hell do you set a record on this course mm. when the bike course is not flat and oh. they were and like most Americans when they go over there they're very impressed with the standard of cycling by the the Germans and uh, the Euro athletes they just drill it on the bike and, and you go on Facebook on the day and, you know my feed tends to be dominated by Les Mills and triathlon and mm. um, just people will love the race mm. you know like Geez, rope delivers. Yeah. You know, like it's just if you if you're gonna have a triathlon experience in your life, you know, obviously Kona is the goal. Um, but outside of that, rope it's gotta be your number two. And if you want to come to rope, oh, look at that! <laughs> I, I lined it up, and now you just kick it over, John. So we are. It's not. I've left my line. I haven't been contacting Challenge Rope last week or the week before because I've, I knew they'll be getting ready for the race. I've been locking. I've been. I've been looking at the schedule I think I've got it all sorted now so we've just got to finalise details with them but if you are interested um, we hopefully will have 20 slots to the race um, we will ho- be planning on doing uh, about a 7 or 8 day camp tossing up between starting in Munich or in Prague I'm trying to figure oh, out Prague the Prague option good. just a matter of how we're going to get the bikes uh, across because it's a bit too far to bike for a couple of days but I'm looking at doing possibly 2 days in Prague and then transferring across uh, so if you want to get on it there will only be 20 slots. It's going to be awesome. You've got a year to train for it and uh, just get in touch and at least get yourself on the provisional list because um, I think it'll probably sell out. Okay. It will sell out, John. We even got an email from someone yesterday. Oh, I want to come. Mm. I want to come. Okay, Jonbo. So, wrote 2016 was a total success. Okay, Jonbo, now we're going to talk a little bit about Ironman UK and Nick the Admiral. Or Nose Rose, depends on who you ask. Took out his age route. Sent us through a bit of a quick report, and he just said, uh, first of all, men, the swim, uh, 
began pretty benign conditions, slightly choppy in the water, but the main issue affecting the pros was the fact that it took over 20 minutes to get the age groupers into the water, so the rolling start, which has impeded the pros on the second lap, which oh, is an right. issue we haven't really thought about. Mm. Makes mm. sense, doesn't it? Right, yeah, on oh, the swim, of yeah. course, right, I was still on the bike, yeah, they're going to get, um, going to have, oh, okay. Yeah, so the pros were kind of getting frustrated by the slower people getting into the water. Mm. So that's something they maybe need to think about in the future. For two lap swims, yeah. Yeah, or maybe they take to one lap. Uh, Harry Wilshire was first out of the water for four minute lead over Fraser Cartmel. Uh, bike tough conditions made harder by the wind today. It uh, doesn't normally affect the pros as much, but with the steady headwinds over 1,600 metres of climbing and a relayed uh, hard road chip on some of the descents, it made it a slow day. Now, how does his name? Curry Krill Kotsigarov. And Marcus Tomschlik. Yeah, Tom Schlick from Germany making up the deficit and starting to run together, especially mentioned to age grouper Brian McChrystal, who rode a 4.44, eight minute faster than any of the pros that on the day. Is impressive. Yeah, he, fin- he finished fifth overall. Pretty impressive. Run another tough course with plenty of elevation uh, to connect team with Krill. How well with the 2.50 marathon from Marcus. And second place, we ran nine minutes slower to post a 8.41. <coughs> and uh, yeah, and the woman, two horse race between Tina Dickers and the Gozenator. Almost dominating the dojo, because remember, a dominant dojo is yes. officially 20 minutes, but it's 19 minutes by the UK darling. Uh, Lucy Gossage, down one minute in the swim, took five minutes back on the bike, and then was all over Rover with 14 minutes added to the run to post an, uh, 55, uh, 56, 5.15 and 3.08. She looked awesome on the run, passed me like I was standing still, and the support on her, her course on this course will bring her back next year. So, great work. So Lucy Gossage took it out on the guy, the girls' side of things with a 9.26. And then on the boys' side of things, we had uh, Krill, Krill Kotsigarov from Estonia in 8.41.13. Nice work. Sounds like a good day at the office. So well done, guys. Um, also, just some kind of other news, the Ray Luke brothers. John, what's happening here? Yeah, well, so I was thinking that when... Because um, Michael was to do this race, wasn't he? He was supposed to be doing that race. Mm. And I, so I went on their Facebook page and was trying to figure out uh, what they're up to because... I was, I'm sure that Andreas Raylert, an amazing race in Kona, but I, th- I was thought, I don't think I've seen him in an Ironman race in terms of qualifying. He was supposed to do Frankfurt, but didn't do that. Uh, apparently, he's got, looked like he had a stress fracture. Uh-huh. And that was from back, I think, about in June time, so he's probably just about right now. So he's really just has to go and validate somewhere because he finished second in Kona, um, get, have so many points. And then Michael Raylert, what was the thing that he was suffering from? I think I put it in these show notes here somewhere. Um, Michael Ray Lur, um Bar virus, Epstein Bar virus, uh, Epstein Bar virus. Um, so he's he's been battling <laughs> battling with that for for quite some time. So that's why he wasn't what racing either. So uh, Do you know what it is? I don't know what it is. Oh, I've look. heard of it before. I right, I see spell check has uh, made it, so you won't be able to find that. Yeah. So that was that's what's up with the Raylert brothers. Okay, so coming up to this weekend, uh, we've, we've got, got Ironman Switzerland. Yep, so we've got Ronnie Shilnick, who is the dominator of Ironman Switzerland, uh, who's expected to come in first place. He did, what did he do? He did Brazil early this year. I don't think he did that great and got frustrated with the drafting. But good strong field. you got... Uh, um, Clement Alonso there as well Timo Brax so those probably three big hitters a bunch of other dudes uh, lining up as well but Ronnie Shieldnick a bit like Cameron Brown really makes that race his own he just how many times he won it one, no, two, eight. three, four, five, six, seven, eight. yeah he won it last year as well so can he get the 10? I'd be putting my money on him if I had some Yep. So Ronnie Shilnick on the guys' side of things. Um, on the girls' side of things, it could be really interesting. Well, no, it's going to be fascinating to see what Daniela Reef does 
assuming she does rock up and race. Uh, it's her home race. She's from Switzerland. But let's see if she rocks up and does a 10 and a half hours. It's just, I'm just, I really hope she does. Well, she has just, to, doesn't she? Like, as, like, I know, I know you can say, well, she could probably still pull off uh, close, to, you know, to nine and a half if she just kind of didn't push too hard. But it's not a wise idea to do too hard Ironmans. I wouldn't have thought so. But she is, um, she is coached by Brett Sutton. And she has done back-to-backs before and done very well in them. Um, but she, you would assume she went pretty deep in that uh, 8.22. So Daniela Reef is uh, is signed up to race. If she doesn't she needs race... To validate. She does, but there's, there's plenty of other races she can validate. But uh, if she doesn't race or if she just um, sandbags it, which, God, I hope she does. <laughs> it would just be interesting to see what they do. Uh, it's really wide open for second place, and we could see Natasha Badman, at whatever age she is, get in there and, and crank it out because, uh, yeah, the rest of the field. Um, You've got Kirsten Moller and then Natasha Badman, Celine Schauer, um and Michaela um, Herbauer. N- not massive names. Um, 49. So could be could be anybody. So it should be fantastic racing. Badman's 49. Yeah, she could As win it. As if you won it. Wouldn't be surprised. So I'm in Switzerland coming up this weekend. Good luck to everybody racing. She turned pro in '95. Wow, 21 mm. years ago. Mm. We're gonna go off and do our interview. Oh, we do too. Yeah, we'll be back in a second. And we are back. We have two interviews. We yeah. have two interviews. Spencer Smith, legend that he is. Not talking necessarily about his triathlon career, but some work he's doing with Ghana, which is in Africa. So that's not Garmin. No, not Garmin. Uh, no, the place in Africa. And then on the we, west coast of Africa, John, just in case you don't just know. Just in case you don't know. And then we move on. Uh, we have got our Legends of Triathlon podcast back up and running. It's been a while. We had a little mishap with our last one, but it's uh, back up, and now I'm committed to making sure we make that happen on a monthly basis. And this month is a guy called Kurt Madden, who you won't have heard of. I hadn't heard of him either. But um, Jason McFall, good old DP. Yeah. Um, he, I was just scrolling through my... Um, document that I've got and he must have sent it like in 2014 saying oh this guy's really good you should get him on he's he's and he's a two-time Ultraman world champion he won the very inaugural one and he's got some great stories and uh, some good life lessons for us to take away so check it out Legends of Triathlon will be up there shortly okay John Bo so uh, coming back to the news we had I we've got coming up this weekend Ironman Canada and Coeur d'Alene, and it's the pro male and female races in the different. So Canada's male, and mm-hmm. uh, sorry, Lake Placid is the female race. Yeah, so they've got fifty thousand dollars prize money at each. So it's hundred thousand dollars in total if you look at it sort of as one race weekend, which is which is good money in terms of the pri- uh, in terms of where things sit for the pros these days. So I think having spoken to people that have been at Placid last year when there was no pro race, it did take away from it. So I think. I think this is probably better to do it this way than maybe have potentially two really diluted fields or one race which does have pros and one race that doesn't. So I kind of think that, that maybe they've got it right this time, but, but time will tell. It was, a mo- it was the model they were using a number of years ago as well. So if we go to <clears throat> look at Ironman Canada, which is the, the boys racing in Whistler, <coughs> Uh, pretty pretty good field. You got Andy Potts, Callum Millwood, Michael Weiss, Victor Semensev, Mike Twelsick, Trevor Wirtle, Paul you're Ambrose. Right, you're some water. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, actually, you are yeah. lacking on the water. And you then uh, just just Justin Deere. So pretty good, strong field for for this stage of the season. Some of those guys need points. Some of them don't. <clears throat> Probably the other interesting thing with this race, and I'm pretty sure I'm right. There 
what's going to happen with Whistler over the coming years? It sounds like the numbers are, are down and Whistler doesn't necessarily need Ironman. You know, Ironman wants a race in Canada when they lost Ironman Canada, but there's so much going on in Whistler that they're not desperately trying to hang on to a race. You know, if we think about Ironman New Zealand and Taupo, you know, it's a massive race for the township. If we think about lots of the other races around the world, you know, Ironman is really important to those regions. It brings in lots and lots of money. But Whistler, you know, uh, it sounds like they don't need, necessarily need the race. I think I think they've added a 70.3 this year. Uh, so it be interesting to see what happens with Whistler. So good luck to all you guys racing. It's a pretty cool course. And fingers crossed you don't get uh, shocking weather like they did last year. Because uh, they've got two Ironmen in Canada now, haven't they? Yes, well, yeah, this is a question. They they had Miss Coca, I mean Miss Coca there for a while, but that only lasted a year. So they've got Whistler uh, off the top of my head without going to the Ironman website. I don't think they do anymore. Hmm. <coughs> or do they have Montreal? They Canada have Montreal Blanc. That's in Canada. Is that 7.3 or 4 Ironman? <coughs> That's a full Ironman. I think, I think they've got both. Okay. <coughs> It's interesting because the old Canada back in where where is it in the place we Penticton Penticton that was always such a popular race wasn't it and uh, you know mm. this whole this last period of time where mm. it's been pretty messy for both Ironman and Challenge it probably sounds like it's hurt the sport, sport overall a little bit in there isn't it mm. yeah and then when we go to Lake Placid we've got a good uh, couple of good females racing you got Heather Jackson ranked number one on TorstensTryRating.com uh, Kelly Williamson number two Amber Ferreira number three and a few other girls in there in the mix but those three are sort of ranked in, in your top three so Good luck for people racing in Placid. Again, we've got $50,000, 2,000 points, so people will be marching on to Kona and we'll be getting towards the end of the qualification period for the sort of first batch. I have a feeling it's the 31st of July, that sort of first batch cutoff is, and so you want to try to make sure you're in that and then uh, then they carry on through to through to August before you get the final Kona announcements done. Okay, we've also got a couple non-WTC races happening this weekend. We have, so we've got um, the Outlaw Triathlon, which is always a really popular race in, in the UK, and you've got Challenge Poznan, which is in Poland, which is one of the very few iron distance races they've got there, and also in Eastern Europe, you know, there's not that many long distance races, so good luck to all you pommies doing the Outlaw. I've kind of already talked about this, but Reef will be validating in Switzerland this weekend, so it'll be interesting to see how she, what, what approach she has to the race. John, you were saying that you kind of hope that she kind of just coasts it. Oh, I just love to see it. You just, just think because it's a bit of a slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, are they going to enforce their rule if she goes, say, ten hours, ten hours thirty, something like that? Uh, would they go? Yeah, that's not up to professional standards because they did have a go at Pete Jacobs a few years ago when he and Miranda because <coughs> Miranda yeah. did it too. Mm. So I'd be very surprised if they they did it, but uh, it'd just be interesting to see if if those if that that rule does get tested at all. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I think it's highly unlikely. I, I think don't think she'll go out there and smash it like no, I did but this I think week. it's highly unlikely. Let's say she let's say she does the twelve. Let's say she, yeah, and deliberately not 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 because yeah. she's gonna just after after doing right, she's tired and she kind of pulls out. But she kind of goes in with strategy. There's no way they can actually enforce it. No. Well, they can, but I just oh. don't know. 
the uproar would oh, be amazing. There would be a huge uproar on something like that. Mm. Yeah, so. Okay, you're up to our ITU update. Well, no, no, I meant one, one other. Oh, Western Western Australia, Australia, I mean yeah. Western Australia. So it's been a great race. Often used to sell out. Um, obviously, they're struggling for numbers a bit now because they've added a 70.3. So some people are going, oh, that's no good. But I suppose, look, if they don't get numbers to races, they'll, they'll either disappear. And if you have got a 70.3 on, at least... So why are they? Why is this race, which you know traditionally has been a pretty good race, mm. why is it suddenly like uh, like we've been talking a little bit about this lately? This whole idea that maybe Iron Man's losing its you know who was it that, who who did that article we read? Remember we got that great article from some who was a coach? Remember did a great article on mm. the, the stats and triathlon and how it's actually it was Jeff from uh, he races for Endurance Corner Jeff yeah. Fajar or something like okay. that. So he sent that through and it was a great article and it kind of shows that triathlons kind of not dying, but numbers are shrinking a bit. Yeah, there is a, there is a pullback, um, and this is a pretty obvious kind of reflection of that. I think in America you can certainly justify as well saying there is a lot more races on. Yep. But in Australia now you can say, well, I'm in Melbourne's pulled out. You know, yep. it's not there anymore. So Ken, that actually Ken struggles to fill up. Yes. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's just a bit of a sign of the times. So I think it takes away a little bit from the race. I'd rather it not be there. But I'd probably rather the, have, the race. The, have, it, have it make sure the race carries on. And if that means that you know you could justify saying, well, if they've got the seventy point three, they've got more numbers there, the entry fees shouldn't go up. You know, that's always a thing. If you haven't got big numbers, then you kind of got to raise the entry fees just to break even. But I know that break even is not really a problem for for, for WTC in the bigger scheme of things. But uh, yeah, I'd rather there not be a seventy point three than than there being one. So uh, yeah, they should probably signs. bring out a Pokemon Go triathlon. Have you heard um, about Pokemon Go, John? I'm, I don't know what it is. I kind of know what it is, but I just can't even bother wasting my time looking into it. But great. If it gets people active, I suppose it's a good thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's, it, Well, it's really interesting. I was speaking to a guy who's a bit of a geek the other day, and he was saying that, well, what's really interesting, like this is pretty amazing what they've done. I don't know a lot about it either. All I understand is basically it uses your camera and your, your Google yeah. Maps or something like that, and you're playing the game, so you've got to get out and move. But they're saying that to use what they've done with this game for running applications and stuff like that, will be huge hmm. because you can do similar things for movement and so like it's actually as much as it's kind of the the talk of the moment it opens the door to some pretty fascinating stuff to help motivate people to move which is it a great thing does my head and have connected people out of their phones it just drives me mental yeah i think it's just the way of the world isn't it it is the way of the world i'm just saying yeah. the world's wrong and i'm right <laughs> <laughs> It's John's affirmation for life. I just get out of the Hong Kong airport, get off the plane, and you're walking along, and everybody in the airport just about is just walking along, staring at their phone. I just want to just pick out their phones and throw them away. Just Don't do it, John. Put your phone down. And today's you, know, you, can, you can cope without having touching your phone for a couple of hours. It is possible. Uh, two hours? 30 minutes. I'm trying to disconnect myself from my phone. I've had enough. How are you going with it? Good. You are? Yeah. Yep. Good. What's your strategies? People don't text me. Don't expect. No, a, I don't. Really, I don't, don't, ex, don't expect a response. In oh, a hurry. Okay, so you just don't answer to the world. I, I do, but don't expect a response within thirty seconds. Oh no, I'm not that. Yeah, mm. good boundaries. One thing I say with all my clients, because um, I only do my emails once a day. Mm. I say, look, I only do my emails once a day, and it's really interesting when I say that to my clients. I say, look, I only do my emails once every twenty four hours. I'll check it maybe five six times a day, but mm. I only, unless it's urgent, I won't really respond because I just have a time where I do my emails, and it's amazing how much people respect you for telling them that. You know, like they go, oh, it's such a good idea. You know, you it's set up expectations. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Clear expectations, team. And uh, otherwise, John will take your phone off you. Exactly. 
good business in that. You can sell them all. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> John's right. stealing phones. Okay, John's ITU update. Well, the big news really is, and the sad news really is, that Gomez isn't going to be racing at the Olympics. Apparently, he's broken his arm. Um, disappointing. Very disappointing. I, I, I don't think that. I don't think he would have won the gold medal, but. Oh, but he's a player in the game. A player in the game, absolutely, and it does take a w- quite a bit away from the race. So really you want, disappointing. You, want, you know, those big events, you want the best guys in mm. their peak, nothing out. Yeah, so real shame for him. Uh, and may How well be the end. Um, pretty sure it's a bike crash. Oh, um, so one door closes, maybe another one opens, and we'll see him uh, stepping over to Kona. He's sort of into... In, uh, he sort of said that he's going to go go long course, so I think the Olympics was going to be the swan song, and he won't make another Olympics. Uh, so, yeah, I guess absolutely sucks. Would have been great, um, but we hopefully we'll see more of him in the iron distance racing. Earlier on, you were talking about the World Championships, no, because it went to World Series, but did he ever win a World Champion? No. Oh, really? Did he? I, I mean, he's been he's been the World Series champion. Yeah, which in theory is the world champion. If I scratch my little knowledge base, because you're pretty good with your knowledge base on this one. Well, Bevan Doherty won the World Championships in 2004, yep. prior to the Olympics, and I'm pretty sure it was still a World Championship then. I think. No, he was a World Champion. I definitely remember that. Yeah. yeah. And um, maybe I think maybe shortly after that, then it didn't. Be, it wasn't the world championship. So then Hamish, because the year after that, Hamish came second, and um, the Pommy um, guy won it. Tim Don. Tim Don yep. won it. Yeah. So maybe there was a couple more years after that, but but that was when Gomez was starting to come to the fore around about that time. Okay. So I don't recall him winning a world title. I could be wrong there, but uh, yeah, that, I think that takes away from because he's legacy. almost like the the Kona athlete. You know, the best. You know, if we look at ITU, you know, World Championships or Olympics, so he would go down as the greatest athlete who hasn't won over those. Mm. Although he has won the World Series, so and he's won seventy point three titles yeah, and so. stuff like that. Because so. nowadays you can't win a World Championship, so the World Series is your World Championship. Mm. So actually, I'm wrong. Mm. Um, okay, uh, what else? We had a race at the weekend and a fantastic race that they put on in Hamburg. So it was sprint distance this time round, uh, and it really showed that Gwen Jorgensen is beatable, uh, not necessarily on the run, but they got a breakaway, got oh, in really? front of her. Uh, and, and, and I have been singing her praises lately, saying she's a complete athlete. She's she's good swimmer now. Yep. She's can uh, she can bike now. She doesn't get dropped from the groups like she did in the past. And she's just light years ahead of everybody on the run. But what she showed last weekend is she is woeful in transitions, and she has been bad in transitions um, for for quite some time. But that basically lost her the race at the really? weekend. So she. You know, a lot of the, you, when you come see guys, the top guys, Brownleys and Co., all oh, the lights all just went off um, outside. Oh, you see right. the top athletes come into transition T2, they muscle their way to the front. And they are, you know, you'll see Brownleys and Gomez, they'll be the first few. If it's a pack of 50, they'll be the first few coming off the bike. Make and sure they're front. They muscle their way in there. She is often last, and this time she was dead last coming out of transition. With a pack of how many? I, um, I can't, can't remember, but 20, oh, tw- 20 30, some, something like yeah. that. It was quite a few. She was dead last. And I think the first people going out of, of transition were maybe 50 seconds down in terms of from the break. She was like a minute 20. Uh, she, she was miles behind, and she ended up losing the race by um, and finishing in third place by about 20 seconds, something so like the that. transition cost her? Not that it's that big a deal. It's just another race, but uh, and I, I guess for her it's a real opportunity to improve for the Olympics. But uh, she is beatable on a, on a breakaway. Um, she still ran a minute plus out of them over 5Ks, but uh, she is beatable. So that was good to see. So it creates a little bit more interest around um, the Olympics. What was, as um, Katie Zaveris won the race, good on her. And who was it? The Dutch girl was in second. Um, 
Dutchie. Dutchie. Um, right, yeah. Rachel Klamer was in second place. What was interesting in the guys' race was it was a two-horse run on the, the run with Maria Mola and Richard Murray. Richard Murray's come back from a broken collarbone, I think it's it was for him. guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. Running head, shoulder to shoulder, they're training mates, and he didn't realise initially they'd had a, had a penalty. Oh, bugger. And so they're running along, and you knew he was going to lose because he served his penalty a couple of hundred metres from the finish line. I actually watched the coverage and uh, thought he was acting like a bit of a baby um, in terms of being in the penalty box. He didn't know what his penalty was for, and he's saying, "What's it for? What's it for?" And then, and then when he came it's across, ten seconds, the, isn't it? Uh, Fifteen, I think. Okay. And then he came, he still finished in second place, but coming across the line, he's like, "Oh, what? Yeah, what's this for?" And he's acting like a. Yep. A bit of a sport brat, but but fair enough. You're in the heat of the moment and yeah, you get a bit of get upset. Emotional. Then I read this morning they actually got disqualified Why? for unsporting behaviour. Oh, for doing that? Yeah, which I've got to take my hat off for them because I went to, 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 to the race organisers saying that was pretty poor behaviour, pull your socks up, you're disqualified. You went? No, um, I thought I thought that was pretty good, you know. I w- at the weekend I was at um, a football game. I took Tom to a football game. Football is it? soccer. Oh wow! And um, he wanted to go and see his top club team play, and we watched it. I was like, "You guys, some of you guys playing. Respect to you. You're really good football players, but they're dropping f bombs and just yelling at the ref and stuff when he makes a bad decision." I just thought that's just not necessary. And so I thought, "Good on you. You're basically stepping up and saying disqualified." And to, to Richard Murray's credit. He put an apology out on Twitter saying, my, I'm not proud of my behaviour, it wasn't acceptable, and so kept him in line, and I thought that was great. Yeah. Sucks for him that he got disqualified. He did put on a good performance, but um, and he did get made an example of, but good to see. Was it that bad? Was it disqualifiable? Like, you know, because the thing is, okay, if you're yelling at an official in the face and abusing, totally, but if you're just upset because you're... It depends what he said. He did, uh, yeah. If he was dropping all sorts of swear we're words, to be I think, emotional. Mm. You know what I mean? Like uh, offensive is a different thing. Mm. But we're allowed to be emotional. Yeah. So I, I guess it kind of does depend what he said. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, mixed relays. Mixed relays. It's this, the Americans won that. Sound like they dominated the dojo. That relay is awesome. Love it. You've got to get on there and watch it. It's just fantastic racing. There's lots of lead changes. There's lots of passion from the athletes, and they get pumped for it. They're racing individually Team. all the time. There's, uh, and there's, yeah, there's no iron team for that race. It's great. Uh, there's me. Mm. <laughs> um, Last week. Will that be the next Olympics? They're certainly pushing very hard for it. Who knows what they're doing. Extreme climbing will be there and probably skateboarding will be there and um, hacky sack will probably be there. Hacky sack is a very important sport. Every stone teenager <laughs> plays it, John. Don't whether, it. whether or not uh, we yeah, get that there. Stone teenagers into sport. If anything's going to get there, that'll be the mix. I always relay. sucked at hacky sack. We had a good it, was hacky like, sack? it was okay. You had to get the right amount of rice in your hacky sack. If yeah, you had too it? much, it was going to bounce all over the place. If you had too little, it would just sit on your leg. I never did, but I wasn't really good at just popping it up. I always kicked it back at myself. And then, yeah. uh, it's a disaster. Last week for I Am Talk Gear now, orders. Do I have to order? I'm not quite sure. You no, said, you've sent me through what you want. And did yeah. you get my sizes? Yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure what my sizes were. Yeah, well, I'm, I, uh, in terms of anybody that knows me, I had some Champion <coughs> Systems gear for yeah, when I did I Project really 2014, yeah. and oh. uh, the race gear that I was wearing was small, and that was just right for me. I'm still I'm reasonably small size. I'm 174 centimetres high and about sort of 68-ish kgs. Um, they, do, they do have a sizing chart. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Champion Systems, I think their sizing usually is, is, is pretty pretty consistent. <coughs> so it's the last week for orders, so it's a get in there. The gear looks great, and, uh, you know, when you go out there racing, you will get that extra bit of support, and it's another way that you guys can support what has, you know, been 10 years of free entertainment. 
10 years of free entertainment. <laughs> they just put their guilt on them. Yeah. Look, how many hours have you listened to us? Spend your money, team. <laughs> okay, so I'll put a link down. Don't talk to me. Jombo sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Oh, let's get extreme on it. If you guys, any of you guys have got your races coming up, you've got, uh, Bevan's been doing his, doing his break dancing right next extreme. to me. Extreme. Yeah, you've got it. Oh, come on, you love it. Okay, we, we should do some video stuff when we're in Kona this year. And, okay, cool. Uh, and... You can do your ex, ex stream. I will. I'll do extreme endurance. Yep. You guys have got races coming up, um, or if you're you're battling through winter in New Zealand or Australia or in the Southern Hemisphere, Immune Boost have so much good feedback about it. Um, if you have that little tickle coming on, you know, get on it. I mean, you should probably be taking it on a, on a daily basis anyway, leading into a race. But what I always find. Any little tickle coming on, get on it, and chances are I managed to avert getting sick. So it's just a fantastic multivitamin. Whatever's in there really seems to work extremely well for me and lots of other people. So check it out, xendurance.com, immune boost. And remember the, the, the promo code IMTALK10 and you get yourself a nice little discount. X, X, yeah, awesome guys. X, X, extreme endurance. Yeah, it doesn't work when... What I'm doing, team, is I'm doing like he crosses arms, arms, and then you do a stream, a stream like with the other arm, fishy thing. Fishy, yeah, extreme. I'm getting it, Jumbo. Just I'm on. I just kind of went to stuff. Just must popped up on my my browser. There Don't tell me talking. the result of the Tour de France today, although it is a flat stage. Tour de France is great this year. Okay, well let's talk about that in a second because I haven't really been keeping in touch, but I never do. But Russia's been banned from the Olympics officially. The whole yeah. Russian team. That's not a great surprise. That's a big thing, but isn't it? It is a big thing. Especially because they hosted the last Olympics. The Sochi ones, yeah. Yeah, they that's where it all stems from. Yeah, I know. That is mind-blowing, man. Mm. Oh, Russia. Okay, what's happening in the Tour de France? And I don't follow that crap. Oh, it's just great racing. Chris Froome, I mean, I don't... Whatever, for whatever reason, he just... You don't does, like him, do you? It, well, no, it's not that I don't like him. He's, just, him. he's just a bit prickly. And he, and he, Why is he prickly? What prickles you about him? Uh, just his attitude with the media. But that, I mean, I know it's extremely hard. And whether or not I'm being tall poppy syndrome and just trying to chop him down. But he just doesn't, in terms of other champions, he doesn't come across the same way as his demeanour, his, his, his persona. But then I think, I think, I was mentioning this to Phil last night. I think what still bugs me a bit was when he was a domestique for Bradley Wiggins he didn't act particularly well as a domestique in terms of um, attacking his leader a little bit and being, oh, a bit of a, being a bit of a sport brat so I think that's why perhaps I don't I'm not that from the past, John. he but hurt you in this relationship in absolute the past. utmost respect for the way that he's riding a bike he looks ugly as hell in terms of his technique Does and his posture and he's just all over the show it's, it's um, but the way that he's ridden is just spectacular in terms of crushing it uphill winning downhill breaking away and sprint finishes and just complete domination so, so he pretty much wrapped it up uh, no yeah but there's still several not, not today there's, there's a couple of key stages but so had you know, did you figure out the other day when he threw that run section did you had you seen that beforehand what do you mean like, well when you watched it did you know that was going to happen no. Oh, so no. we're pretty excited to watch it when you're watching it. Yeah, it was really bizarre coverage because you just because I mean, they didn't really cover it that well, did they? No, it was bizarre. You didn't know what was happening, and um, yeah, it was crazy. I've got to say they, they rode up Mont Ventoux, too. So that was, was it this time last week. They make that look easy, and man, that climb. I'm not shitting you. It is. He's tough. not shitting you guys. <laughs> it is the first three or four kilometers is is not bad. It's just just building into it. But as soon as you get into that forest, it is nine, ten, eleven, twelve percent. No respite whatsoever. How long for, did they take for, to do for, it? For, I don't know what they, how long they did it, but it's it's like a good eight kilometres of just 
sustained grind and they only stopped it halfway up because of the because of the wind but it is tough and they just made it look easy and I had a guy that I coached watching it from the sidelines and he said they weren't even breathing hard or sweating or anything like that it's just insane how quick they quick but do you still watch it thinking drugs I, I don't I probably should because I know <laughs> a lot of them probably ask on it but I watch it for the entertainment value and I just watch it because I just think it's awesome wow so I've never done it I've never done it and it's funny I was speaking to one of our runners the other night and they're not a triathlete, nothing. They're just kind of local runners. And they watch it every night. And they'll, they'll put on and watch five hours of it. It's like a soap opera. I, I sat there and Thomas and I, Thomas wanted to watch it last night. We sat there and watched it for two hours. Really? You know, it's brilliant. When does it finish up? Weekend. Oh, Monday, right. Monday our time. I'll go for a swim then. Okay. Who, who, who could win outside of him? Who could, come, you know? Oh, Balcom Mollema, who's second place. He could potentially do it. But yeah, you'd be, you'd, he'll have to, he'll lose it rather than someone else winning yeah. it. John, we had a discussion of the week last week and it was pretty poor. Oh, it was pretty apt given our interview on this no, week's very show. Apt, very apt, but pretty poor feedback. Yes. We got four comments. Yes. That's, that's probably one of the lowest we of all time. 139 people reached. Yeah, it's Facebook and they screw you. We've talked about that before. Mm. So the question was, should we encourage more diversity to Kona to make it a bit more like the Olympics where smaller, less developed nations have a chance to qualify? Um, for example, where there are no WTC races, could we give that country, say, four slots um, and, and they have some sort of procedure to, to get there? And where this stemmed from was, for me, my frustration at them just throwing slots at the 70.3 in China. So you're saying better use I'm would saying, be... Come on, look. We're going to do this. Yeah. Um, the slots are getting harder and harder, and then you're just kind of throwing them away. Could we use those slots better? You know, do, should they be allocated to you know, regional championships, uh, or could they go to um, developing nations? And by and large, everybody thought, no, it's not a great idea. <laughs> you go first. Lucy Francis, um, I think there should be a job for the National Triathlon Federations to develop and support their athletes, which could include taking them to international races like an Ironman so they have a chance to qualify like everyone else. Get that point totally, but listening to Spencer Smith's um, uh, interview later on, you probably go, "Well, the National Federation's probably got other things to be worried about." I know. I'm sorry, uh, Richard Swan. No, it's a st- it, it is stupid at Olympic and major events when Muppets from smaller countries are given token slots. We only need to remember the last Commonwealth Games when New Zealanders were tripped when lapping Muppets in the 5K, who had been lapped twice and ended up running 18 minutes, must be for the for the 5K, which cost them the winning medals. Why should high standards apply to some countries and not others? Swanee Noah, he's just coming out there. Coming out punching. Uh, Sam Brown, no. Quality or spectate? No celebrity spots. Yes to CAF and lottery legacy spots. All Ironman competitors should have to qualify for an Ironman through a half Ironman. Okay, Peter Giffins has got, uh, this is a time discussion. A friend of mine from, uh, how do you say one? Col- is that Kolkata? Kolkata? Yeah, Kolkata. Just well, that's finished not how you spell Kolkata, but anyway. Well, as if I can criticise. Um, <laughs> just finished his first half iron distance at an event in Chennai. Chennai, that's where I did my triathlon. That's in India. Did you really do that one? Mm, Chennai triathlon. That's the one you smashed, eh? Mm. Yeah, you were talking about that last week. Yeah. What are the chances of that happening? Crazy. It's a crazy where we live in, John. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, uh, he spent some time there in the States for work and was able to train with us. His biggest problem in India is not whether he can get a Kona slot, but finding safe places to ride with good roads. He wants to buy a tri or road bike, but it would be fairly pointless for him. He has a hybrid which he uses for his racing. India has a large, fairly wealthy and young middle class. They are on the cusp of their own fitness boom, similar to what is incurring in China, giving the opportunity for safety safely swimming, bike and running and these populations will erupt to uh, 
on to the running and multi-sport scene. If WTC or any other organization really wants to promote triathlon worldwide, perhaps resource could be applied to work with places like India and other nations to create safe training areas for triathletes, runners and swimmers. I think this would be far more useful than providing national specific Kona slots. Mm. So he's uh, saying basically invest in infrastructure. Mm. Peter Mills, endorse diversity to grow the sport, not populate the world champ start, starters line. Uh, that should be reserved for the people who qualify and earned it. Peter Mills is racing Ironman Switzerland this weekend. Go so Peter Mills. Go Peter Mills. Go out there and crush it. Crush it. Okay, Arnold Solovkov. Yeah. He did, right? He did. Apparently three minutes faster than a couple of years ago, I think. Eight for 8.56. Nice. Uh, no, this is not a good idea. As athletes, you aim to be... Uh, at being the best, which should be the goal when you want to give it a crack at the World Championship, then the only solution is to fight uh, for making the minimal or getting to a slot and seeing where you stand in the world ranking. Being the best of a country with no competition or no level at all mean nothing. Mm. I'm in two minds on this, to be honest. Um, yeah, I... I I kind of get people's point. You should be out, should have to qualify there, but I do like to encourage diversity. Do, and and I guess some people have sort of said that should be a role for the national federations. Yes, it should be. ITU do a really good job in terms of their diversity and in, in terms of encouraging diversity. As you're going to hear from Spencer Smith, they gave, he gave him a little bit of money to go out to Ghana. They do a lot in say the Pacific Islands, and and they they, they I guess that's part of the mandate from from being part of the IOC that they're required to go and do that. I would imagine. Um, don't necessarily see WTC doing that uh, unless there's, a, unless there's a, a buck at the end of it. Um, so they are diversifying, they are going into developing nations and they're not a international governing body but in some ways they kind of are and my sort of take on it is they should probably be investing a little bit more in that area um, because I think that's a responsibility. They're making money out of the sport and I think they should be in, you know, encouraged and pushed to probably diversify it a little bit more. Whether or not there should be slots, I'd probably be more in the camp saying there probably shouldn't be, but at the same time I would say, as I said earlier, I'd rather see slots rather than just throwing them at a 70.3 in a marketing exercise, um, I'd rather see them go to Ironman races, but also, yeah, if they maybe put up a, I don't know, a ten slots for for a chair for for a lottery for developing nations where nobody qualifies from, I'd probably be I'd probably be up for that and wouldn't have a wouldn't have a problem with it. Okay, so I kind of get both sides of the argument, and I kind of think deep down, if you <coughs> to get to the world championship, you know, you kind of should deserve it. But at the same time, it's not a level playing field. Yeah, well, at the same time, I went to Tonga years ago. So one of my mm. first ever trips for Les Mills International was to go to Tonga. And we went to Tonga to promote their health week. So mm. they took about seven or eight of us fitness instructors over there. And it was huge. Like, I turn up in Tonga. Mm. One news is there. Doing, like, we cleared mm. in the airport and the, the, the national news channel's on there. The whole bloody, the whole country's there. Mm. Got layers. We didn't know what the heck was happening. <laughs> we were mm. overwhelmed by it all. So we're talking about Tonga. And we had this week and we basically did lots of exercise. And, and it was really good because it was kind of health awareness week but one thing that was really interesting when we were there was there was a guy who'd been to the olympics mm. um he was a sprinter mm -hmm. and he, well, he wasn't any good at sprinting on a world mm. scale i don't know if he you know got in just because they have slots or something you know he's obviously better than i was but mm. um but he was such an icon mm. in tonga and he was such an icon for movement you know he was such an mm. icon like he was on board with us and everyone in tonga knew him and and, and in his own community he had had a massive influence on sport in Tonga, which is a country that 
wasn't necessarily not not, not necessarily like New Zealand where sports kind of ingrained. Mm. Um, and we we speak to Spencer Smith later on today. You can hear this interview. And to me, regions need those stars. Mm. You know what I mean? And what gives those regions those stars credibility? And uh, now the Olympics is obviously a lot better than Kona, mm. but you know those people in Tonga. That to him, to their community, he was Usain Bolt, and he gave them accessibility to get people in sport. Now, admittedly, they were lucky with that guy because he was the kind of guy who wanted to give back to the sport. Mm-hmm. So you can get the person who gets that slot, and you know, just a dish. Yeah, 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 or just mm. you know, it's just a self kind of thing, yep. and they're not necessarily worried about helping others, and, and so be it. But mm. they were lucky in Tonga that this guy was the kind of person who felt a responsibility to get others into movement. And mm-hmm. so he was uh, an icon of the region. Bec- and the reason was because he'd gone to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So if we are trying to develop the sport of triathlon, and, w- you know, you again, we speak to Spencer Smith pretty soon, and you're going to hear that, you know, he is just, he's starting from scratch in, mm-hmm. in Ghana. Now, so if we are trying to develop develop triathlon, in Ghana, if you can get one person who's done Kona, who's the right, now, again, get right person. person. Yeah, but if it is the right person, Everyone else looks up to that person and the, the what they can do with that influence. Mm. You know, it's really funny. Like I, I always think I'm very fortunate in my life that I've been in roles which give you influence. You know, working for mm. a big company that has big influence, and I always think, well, you know, once you realise you have the ability to have influence, how do you want to use it? And if we can get the right people in the right places who would be that person, um, I would say that's a good investment for the sport. Yeah, so it might be five or ten slots, and, and as we even said, it might be you need to sell your story. Yeah. And, um, it needs to be the right... And I get, you know, you haven't maybe earned it, but if you're the kind of person who then can build a triathlon community of three or 400 people in your region... Absolutely. Well, that's, that's better that's, than throwing 20 slots of marketing gimmick for a 70.3. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually a really valuable use of that slot like for the, the cost of a thousand dollars to join it was a hundred that's what pissed me off it was a hundred slots yeah yeah <laughs> so like you gave 10 of those away and you know sure 10 people who probably earned it miss out mm. um and that's unfortunate but if that leads to 300 people eventually doing triathlon in that region exactly. well that's to me it's it's a kind of a cost that's worth having so there you go. that's my thoughts john jombo uh this week's discussion it comes from a question that Brent Chan sent through. He just said, Ironman 70.3 Victoria recently. I was surprised to see the lead bikes for the male, top male and pre-male pros riding behind the Behind runners. is the key word mm. there. I was told this uh, was a recent rule change by WTC to avoid any perception that the lead bikes were providing the lead athletes with an unfair advantage. I'm sure there are uh, some thoughts on what those advantages might be and the vitality, Val- validity? validity sorry, of these advantages, e.g. drafting, getting lost, etc. But my real question is, with the rule change, is what is possible... Wait a second. The real question with the rule change is what possibly could be the usefulness of a lead bike from behind the runner? Why have them out there at all? That's exactly right. If you've got a lead biker behind the lead runner, what is the point? So, I mean, I suppose people, he's running through and people go, oh, that is the first person going through. But it kind of seems a bit pointless. So, I guess my question this week is what would you like to see from WTC around. Enhancing how the pros are sort of represented out on the race course on on race day, um, whether it be you know the the live GPSs or you know the lead bike, I, I just think it's a dumb move. Um, I don't that. think you, it gives you, them an advantage. It's clearing it's, it's clearing it's clearing the way a bit. As a crowd member, you do look out for the lead bike. Yeah, yeah. So so but the lead bike is normally the lead bike. It is in front of the runner. Yeah. Whereas in this case, it's behind the runner, and so you go. 
Oh, that was the lead runner go past. Oh, whoops, I didn't clap because he was on lap three and I, I kind clap. of missed him. I only clapped for the leader. So <laughs> I for anybody else. So I think, um, yeah, so what can, what can WTC to do? You know, ideas you've got around making sure the pros get best represented on race day, whether it be lead bikes, whether it be GPS, whether it be um, leaderboards coming through. Like in the Tour de France, they have, um, again, another scale of things, they have a, a promo vehicle coming through with a loudspeaker um, and he's doing a, basically a race commentary, giving you an update. So you're standing on the side of the road and you kind of know what's what's happening. <coughs> things like that, you know. Um, what could they do to make the pros better represented, to make the spectators' experience uh, a little bit better as well? <coughs> Sorry, we're keeping Bevan up. No, oh, I'm tired this morning for some reason. I had a good night's sleep too. Mm. The night before, does the wind keep you up? No. Oh, man, we got blown to pieces the mm. night before. Um, I was going to add something really brilliant there. Oh, no. Because when, when they had, you know, they had the National Bike Champs here. Yes. Which is a great event. Unfortunately, yep. it's not here. They should yep. bring it back. But um, they had a big screen and they had the power wattages of all the cyclists mm. and all this. And I was thinking, man, this is just the local, you know, like mm. it is a national champs, but come on, New Zealand cycling is not that much money in it. Yeah. And I was like, man, you could go and watch and see actually what was happening in the race. And I was thinking, far out, surely some of the bigger races can get this happening. Mm. So yeah, I agree, John. Okay, so this week's discussion, what can race organised WTC do to help promote the pros more in the race? Yeah. Okay. I actually took this question, I didn't read Brent's email to us, Brent's email to us, but I thought it was kind of what responsibility should pros bring to the race? Well, I was also thinking as well what what they can do pre-race, you know, in terms of, I think that WTC and Ironman could do more in race week. I know in Kona, man, those top pros get hounded, but at other races, you know, just trying to get a little bit more interaction out there from the pros, I think will be good for both parties and it helps create a, just a bit more feel-good, you know, connection within the race because um, we don't want to lose that because I think that for iron distance race, it's so valuable that we are still on the same start line that the pros and that's something that's really been lost for, for ITU given it's now draft legal and stuff. You don't feel like you're doing the same race as Alistair Brownlee. Mm. It's a completely different thing, so we don't want to lose that. And so we want to try to enhance it. should we have on the pros and the race organisers. Okay, yep, cool. Uh, and we'll call all race week. Okay, Jonbo, well, we've got a, a legend of the sport, actually. One of the first real, well, the second generation of legends, mm-hmm. eh? You know, we had the 80s, and mm-hmm. this guy came along in the early 90s and was a pretty legendary man, and he his was name awesome. was Spencer Smith, a uh, UK character. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's doing some pretty important work, so we're going to put him on right now. Okay, guys, so um, very happy to have a legend of the sport back on the show and he was in fact whilst he's won several world titles he's probably more widely known as our first ever guest on uh, legends of triathlon several years ago so spencer smith welcome back to the show thank you it's fantastic to be back yeah i i uh, you must have been really desperate that first time because I was the first person. So I, uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm back again. I couldn't, I couldn't stay away. We're more than happy to have you. That, Thank you very much. One, one, what we're going to talk a bit about today is, is not necessarily yep. your athletic endeavours, but um, yes. Project Ghana. And uh, before we even start this, um, yes. I know that Ghana. Well, I'm pretty sure it's in Africa, um, but I know <laughs> yes. nothing about Ghana. So maybe just fill us in on what the well, hell uh, where, where Ghana is and what what you're up it, to. Well, it's Western Africa, and it's a, it's um, Accra is the is the capital of Africa, and um, it's all really the thing about um, Ghana. If you want to talk it out in a, in a sporting sense, is it's very well known for its boxing. They love their boxing. They love their football. Um, in terms of triathlon, it's pretty. It's 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 so new to them. They know nothing about it. 
So um, that's why um, I thought it was the perfect opportunity. I was in fact training, uh, well, I'm still training one of my athletes, and he uh, said, well, um, let's let's start. He wanted to do Ironman. Let me take you back. He wanted to do Ironman. He kept wanting to do Ironman. I said, listen, Ironman's great, but let's he, let's do something different. Let's let's try to change it up a bit. And he's always up for a bit of a challenge. And um, I said, let's go to a slightly shorter distance. Let's go to the ITU stuff. Let's get out there. Let's put Garner on the map, as it were. And so let's put it in. Let's use that. Um, uh, that 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 sporting arena for for Ghana to be to be held and and so we, we did that and uh, it was a fantastic opportunity for us and then it just uh, kind of uh, started from there really. So so what are you, what are you actually doing in terms of uh, am I right that you're the the, the national coach or, or what's yes. the sort of setup over there? Yeah, yeah I mean the, the, here's the thing I mean you've you've got a this is really really grassroots stuff you know we're, we you know that we're talking about they have one public hall in Acura, one running track in Acura. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is really, 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 you know, you're, you're thinking people are spending 10000 or $8,000 on bikes, the normal triathlete, you know, in a sense. People don't even have bikes there. Something like, you know, this is the kind of stuff that we're, we're, we're trying to, you know, gather some some equipment. And obviously cash is always welcome. But, you know, we're, we're, we're really starting from grassroots here. And um, when you look at it, the, the, the first the first uh, triathlon was 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 held in, in 2014. And then uh, we just had one in 2000, just in, in May, in fact, in 2016, and it had 84, um, 84 athletes. So it's really nice. coming along nicely. It's really coming along nicely. And it really is fantastic to to give back. You know, I've, I've been doing the triathlon now all oh, for 20, 27 years. I started triathlon when I was 16 years of age, um, and so it's always nice um, to give back a little something that uh, I think people lose sight sometimes. I think the triathletes lose sight a bit, and I think this is a good way, especially for me as well. It grounds you. You know, you know, people don't have bikes. You know, that's how that's how grassroots it is. So, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, we're talking about this wheel and disc this and, and, and tri spoke that and, and this is this is as basic or as, as grassroots as it gets. So that's why it really did fascinate me and it really did sort of um it, it really you know, piqued my interest as it were. Mm. So so what's your sort of role? Do you head out there and do little training since yeah. or is it online or how are you how's it working? Well, right now I, I did go out there. I was lucky and fortunate enough to get out there in um in, in, in May and uh, I, I what we did was we, we coincided with with a little sprint race. We have a little we have some sprint races out there or just there's one in May and there's one in um, November. So I went to my first sprint race in there, which I think would have been its third one, two, it would have been like his second or third sprint race ever. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So it was a perfect opportunity for me to go out there to get a sense of the um, of what is there. You know, what pools are available, what running tracks, not what pools, what pool is available, <laughs> what running track is available. You know, it's very, 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 like I said, grassroots. So it was fantastic to get a sense of of what is available there for the athletes. Um, and like I said, I haven't, I, I may go back out there again in November again for the second race. Uh, but right now, obviously, uh, funding is a little tight. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we were lucky enough to, to, to get a little bit of funding from the ITU for, for that last little trip. But it is going to be hopefully something that is going to be obviously put into the budget for the, for the next year. And, um, and we need to, you know, everyone thinks of, of the you know the big the, you know the England and all you know the Great Britain, but these countries, there's so much potential here for people to just you know 
even if they don't go to the Olympics, even if one person goes to the Olympics, it's 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 spreading the word, isn't it? It's spreading mm. the word of triathlon. And I think that, that, you know, people can get out there and they can enjoy the sport with no stress, get kids out there, get them to get them away from the, you know, uh, you would think, OK, but they have everyone's got a, a mobile phone. There. Everyone's uh, it's no different from being in England, America or New Zealand, Australia. Everyone's glued to it. So it's nice to see kids get out there and, and compete and have a go at something that they would never have an opportunity to do. When you go back to grassroots and, you you know, you're kind of laying a foundation here, it's, it's right, as you say, back to basics, but also just kind of starting from scratch. What are some of right. the insights, you know, you probably went into it with some ideas of what you think is going to work, but also what have been some of the things that you had no idea would come up that maybe have given you insight? Well, I, I think, I think, like you said, I, I think the fact that, you know, you said pools and tracks, you're thinking like plural of everything. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, straight away, I'm like, well, we've only got this pool. Okay. We've only got that track to work with and getting time. And getting that time that it's available for athletes, you know, for, for the college to give us or the university, that's where the pool is, to give us that amount of that allotted time for the athletes for free. They can't afford to keep going to the pool or the track. They can't afford it. It's just too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of stuff is it brings you back as, uh, you know, the bikes again. It's something that's like, well, how many? Well, we don't have a bike. I'm going to have to borrow. You know, they were, you know, can't believe the amount of people that borrowed a bike to compete in that sprint race in May. It was it was absolutely fantastic to see. But the excitement there, the passion that was there, you know, yeah, they may not be able to swim that fast yet. And yeah, they may not know, know much about biking. They, a lot of them look very nice running, by the way, which is a fantastic, uh, which is a fantastic advantage. But yeah, that that's all stuff that has got to come along. But we've got to start somewhere. And um, it seems a really fantastic opportunity for me to get my, you know, to get, get stuck in and to get my... Um, gets my hands kind of dirty and, and really gets stuck into this uh, this this kind of uh, you know development of, of a country that is is pretty much known just for like we said when you go to the Olympics you think of Ghana you think of boxing that's probably the thing that people most think of when they think well they may not but that's the thing that they they do very very well is the boxing and and, and now they have some runners and stuff so it's coming along nicely but triathlon is still very very much very much in the dark for a lot of people. So what's sort of the the mission? Like, are you just sort of looking at the coaching side of things, trying to build the numbers, or is have you yes. guys got sort of a, a, a say a three or five year strategy on where you want to actually be? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, our goal number one would be to hopefully get somebody to be racing at um, some not going, you know, to, to racing at somewhat one person in an elite level. Whether it's it's not winning any elite races, let's 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 be honest here. It's just being on the start line at an elite ITU race, which is a fantastic start. That would be number one. They need a role model. They need somebody to look at and say, you know what, I can do that. That looks really exciting. That would be my first step. And you know, when you look at how things taken off, if you do it things correctly from the start, and I was reading a good article uh, about the Icelandic football team, the soccer team, mm. and how they have obviously progressed from a country that is very, very tiny. And they have done such a fantastic job with their coaching staff and doing it correctly from the start, to building it correctly from the start and building it upwards. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity, even with even when they didn't have much money. You know, when you compare it to like the the uh, the British the FA, for example, it's kind of disgusting how much the differential between the money is. But it didn't matter, did it? In mm. Europeans, you know, when, when Iceland had so much more passion and so much more grit 
than any English player, or all of them put together, in fact. It was kind of disgusting. I was, it was actually quite, I was ashamed to be brilliant, you know, English on that day. Mm. So it just goes to show that when you have this passion and when you have this drive and, and determination to do something that I've seen on that first race, um, and hopefully I can give them that as well, because that to me, it excites me. You know, I, you know I, I love to see people race. I love to see, you know, I coach. Um, so I love to see people improve. But this is something completely different. You know, this is really, really starting from from really bare bones. Well, what, what regards to age groups, you know, what's the kind of well, the participants or the people who are actually doing it? What's the kind of general age as, as a pretty broad range? It's it's it, it it is quite a broad range. But the good thing was, the exciting thing was, a lot of them were quite young. A lot of them were not young in terms of like um, eight or seven or this age, but they were, you know, they were 18, 19, 20 and 24, 25. Yeah. So it was a great little area for them to start to um, push on. Um, I would love to get some young kids involved, like I said, from, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Just just not not no structure, just to have fun. Go out there and go and swim. Let's go out there and ride our bikes. Let's make it fun. And then they can see hopefully oh, that person has gone to, you know, one ITU race. Uh, That's something, I want to do that. And I think that would be very, very inspiring to these little, these youngsters to see these other ones, how they're progressing. And it is going to take a lot of work. And, and, and like I said, the money is very, very is, is in short, is always, as you can imagine, is always in short supply. So we're trying to do it on a shoestring budget. Um, a lot of my stuff will be done via, um, uh, internet, you know, giving them sessions and this and that. But I would love to do another camp, if not later this year, early next year, to try to really um, more of a more more of you know to just to give them that my experience there because it's very very difficult. It's very important, let me say, to start them off correctly. You mm-hmm. know, not to learn bad habits. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but I've obviously been doing it a long time and I've tried every trick in the book. Um, to, to try to do whatever I can, you know, a lot of volume, less volume, this is this form, that form, what is good, what is not good, uh, what is worth knowing, what isn't worth knowing. Um, and, and, you know, and still to make it fun and still to make it like they have a lot of passion to get out there and get the job done. And that's important, um, especially as they become faster and, and better. How do, how do they find out about you? Like, how, does, how do the people in Ghana, how did you get those 80 people that... I, so I was training uh, my friend. His name is uh, he's actually a, he's Dr. Tarek, Tarek, Tarek McGowan, and he um, he actually um, Tarek was a is a is a very good friend of mine. And he and, and he's the guy I mentioned earlier. Tarek was the guy that said, you know, I want to do Iron Man. Let's do. I said, let's take a step back here. Let's take a step back here, Tarek. Let's 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 look for something different. And uh, he's trying to build something there as well, financially as well in the country. So he, we're trying to push things. We're trying to tie some, tie, some, tie some things together here. So if we can tie, you know, all this together, and he, he's not going to be good enough to race at the elite level. But at the end of the day, I'm talking about the elite, you know, going to, mm-hmm. you know, an ITU at the elite level, starting on the, on, getting on the start line with Alistair and, 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 and Jonathan, you know, and all that. He hasn't, obviously, he's older now. He's 33, 34 years. Actually, he's 35. But he's going on, he's getting on a bit. So we're looking for the next crop, as it were, to really, um, to inspire. And, um, and, and that's, that's how it started. He said, well, let's, 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 let's see if we can get Garner out there. And then it just kind of snowballed, you know, it kind of snowballed from there. Um, and like I said, it started, you know, they have two unpaid volunteers working, 
uh, at the Ghana Triathlon Federation. I don't get paid for what I do. Um, it's all, you know, it's all through just wanting to help. Um, and like I said, hopefully when the budget may be approved next year, we can improve, you know, a little bit here and there. It's going to be a slow process, but, you know, patience, everything has to be, you know, everything has to take its time and everything has, to, especially when you're working with federations, ITU, you know, all this stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's not instant gratification. It's a, it's a long drawn out process that can take a long, long time. But if you've got the patience and you've got the, that desire and you've got that vision, then I don't think anything can, you know, I don't think anything can stop us really. In terms of um, how people can possibly help, I mean, other than someone going, "Hey, I love what you're doing. Here's a million dollars," which would yeah. be nice. <laughs> which would be nice. Always uh, nice. Always nice. <laughs> is there any other way people can can help what you're doing other than just sort of gaining awareness? Well, what we're going to do is obviously, uh, well, obviously, we've we, we've got the website, the Try at the Ghana website, and so um, if you go onto my website, also, you know, you, you can also find out a little bit more about everything we've discussed here today the um you know if you go onto my s2 coaching and you can go onto the blog you'll see everything in numbers it's kind of nice how 220 magazine and a nice little article for mm. for us um and it's really nice to see but what we're doing right now as we speak we're putting a little package together we're putting a package together and we're trying to um you know we're, we're going to present it to to, to 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 people or to companies to say can you help us uh, we want to do it right. We want to do it correctly. We don't want to say, well, here's, here's a bike. Um, and, and so, and then you never hear from us again. We want to do it. And, and this is what I've learned from my sponsorship side of things. When I was with my, my father, we always did it correctly. We try to give everyone a fair shot and we try to make sure that everyone got what, you know, if they put in, then they deserve what they get. And so mm-hmm. we're going to try to make it very, very, you know, we're going to try to make it very professional as, as, as professional as we can. But obviously we do need equipment. We do need bikes. We do need, you know, clothing. We, you know, we need the basic stuff um, that, 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 that obviously that that is expense. That is expense that they don't have right now. Mm. Oh no! We'll definitely once you got that live, we'll um, make sure yeah. that we get get the word out there. What what about yourself these days? What what are you getting up to? Uh, like uh, the mostly is the coaching. Mostly is coaching. Um, I would love to try to get involved. In, you know, I, I I've always been a bit of a fashion crazy, you know, person. I would love to try to get involved with. Um, with you know, this, I I see the the leisure active wear, and I've you know I've I, you know when I was even racing, I was one of the first to use a lot of the stuff. You know, a lot of with the with the with the um, you know not with going away from you know the swimming costume and all that stuff. And I was the first person for with using with speedo was to use some technical stuff. Mm. You know, if you you know in the water, so all that really really excites me as well the technical aspect of the clothing but it's got to look good as well you know obviously but that kind of i'm looking into that kind of side of things as well i love the coaching i love the coaching i wake up and i'm, I'm excited to start the day it's, I, I don't feel um you know you're going to an office a nine to five job and oh gosh i'm really not in the mood for this i i, I don't have that but uh, the coaching is something I enjoy to do. I see that, like I said, this this progression of people, and I give my my knowledge back to the sport or give it back to the athletes. And like I said, that kind of stuff really does excite me. So they're the two things that I'm trying to progress with um, and make a little. You know, it's it's tough out there. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, when you're, you know, people think oh they're they're retired and they but but you know when when athletes retire, it's 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 hard. Mm. I'm telling you now because. You know, you're used to, um, 
doing this on Monday, doing this on Wednesday, doing this on Tuesday, or whatever. You have a very, very structured lifestyle. And then when you haven't got that anymore, when you haven't got these big goals, athletic goals, you have to um, – you have to refocus. Mm. And so sometimes um, it takes a little bit of time. And I think Simon Whitfield even um, uh, uh, touched on this, that it is quite difficult for professional athletes, once they leave the spotlight, so to speak, to find a place that they're happy with, mm. to find that happy place. And, uh, and you know, some do it better than others, but it is a difficult transition. Um, well, it's and not I, very I, fixed, I, isn't it? Because you have the whole thing of the thing I'm great at, which I get identity and I put so much energy into, Yes. It kind of expires so young and you've got so much life yes. in front of you. And so then, right. you know, how do I develop those that kind of level of self in other areas? And it's not it's not like football or soccer. You, you're not going to go into management and be a man. You know, you're not going to have their millions of dollars, you know, pounds or whatever mm. available. It's Triathlon is still a very, very small sport, isn't it, in the mm. big picture? Mm. It's a tiny sport. It's getting better. We know that. But in the big picture, if you compare it to major sports, uh, it's still very, very tiny. So there's only so many athletes that need to be coached. And, you know, now with the Internet, there's so much that people oh, they go and look, oh, I can just do this program or I can do that program, which may well work for some people. But a lot of the times it doesn't. So there's a lot of competition out there. And hopefully, you know, the, the best will rise to the top. But it is it does. It, it's very it's a it's a tough it's a very, very tough kind of existence after, like you said, after your, your, your kind of lifespan is done as an athlete, you know, what's the next step? And I think that is also um, difficult for a lot of professional athletes that they just, especially because they want, sometimes they want to continue with the sport in some way, shape or form. And um, it just suddenly becomes to a, a halt, you know, the sponsorship, you probably could maybe get with a company that you've been working with. But, um, you know, I think, I think the key what I've found is to have that diversity, not just to be coaching, not to just be doing this, not just to be doing that, is to spread around what you really like to enjoy so you don't rely on one source of income to um, to really uh, to put you under pressure if something falls apart, mm. uh, which is, again, it's difficult. It's difficult, and uh, it's an interesting – it's probably another topic we can talk about, but it's, mm. a, it's a topic that I feel that as more professional athletes stop – I feel that it's going to obviously, and, and there's already been a lot, but there's always going to be more um, that, that, you know, it, it's going to be, if they want to stay involved in the sport, it's 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 something to, to keep, uh, to think about, really. And you must be, um, well, she said you, know, you weren't particularly proud of your uh, your home football team recently at the Euro no, Champs. You must it was be. Disgusting. <laughs> it was disgusting. I mean, it re- uh, and that's putting it bluntly. I mean, I, I didn't see any. Pa- and then to be honest with you, I, I, and, you know, you can blame whoever you want to blame, but I didn't, you know what? I didn't ever feel any motivation from the, the coach at all. Yeah. I didn't ever feel any motivation. He, he went into press conferences. Well, I don't know. You know, he was always so. It was there was never any passion to be shown, and I think it never really came it came across with the players. There was nothing there. There was no grit. There was no fight, um, and it was a very it was a poor. It was it was disgusting. It was disgusting. If we contrast um, that though with, with um, if we contrast that with um, what we see with the triathletes from the UK, yes. they are just yes. crushing it at, at all yeah. at all distances. So what, yes. what do you, what do you think it is? I mean, you and Simon Lessing, you know, probably started the, the legacy and the words was people before you. But well, you know, what is it about the UK that's made you guys such a force in a country that is not, you know, weather is not necessarily yeah. on your side? So what is it about no. the UK? I, you know what, I think, and, and, and I, you know where I got my passion from for doing the sport was Glen Cook. 
who came second in Avignon in uh, in the first uh, World Championships in '89 against Mark Allen. Mark Allen, um, that that they're the people that inspired me. Um, they were the people that I looked up to. They were legendary. Um, for me, then I just wanted to be like them. I just wanted to win big races. And then obviously my my um, my career progressed and then I had Simon to keep me honest. And to be honest with you, Simon did get me out of bed in the morning. And I think I've said this before. He did, ex- you know, he made me train hard because I thought, well, if I'm not training, he's going to be training. And I did not want to get beat by Simon. And I did get beat by Simon a lot and it hurt a lot, but it really hurt. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and the ones that I did beat him were obviously the sweetest. Um, but I feel that we have such a, you know, if you look at, you know, the way that we've, we've, we've progressed in, in triathlon and now in cycling, I think cycling slightly different because they've, 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 they have had that, you know, injection of money, but that doesn't necessarily mean success, does it? Mm. Mm, I think uh, once again, you've got to look at the coaching side of things. You've got to like, you know, I think when you look at Sky, you look at Browsford, you think of marginal gains, that's no different from what I was doing with my coach, Bill Black in, 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 in the early nineties, he would, he would, Um, before gps he would look at a map he would look at the course he would plot the map from the from from you know from the coordinates of 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 looking at just a a map on you know paper map and he would you know with the he would show me before the race even started where the climbs are going to be where this is going to happen and that is what you call about that that is the importance of doing it correctly and having the great having a great coach from the start and that's i was so lucky to have that and he set such an example for me that obviously i was very very lucky to to obviously go on and win big big races from there but a lot of it is to do if i wasn't taught properly from the start i think i i i'm not sure where i would have ended up but i think it is it does go to show that money doesn't buy everything if you haven't got that proper coaching if you don't have and you've got to have that grit you look at the brownie brothers they've got the desire they've got the grit and they've got the class, you know, mm. they've got everything. And, and, you know, when you look at the Brownlee brothers, you know, when they're expected to win, they, they do win most of the time. And um, that, that's class. Mm. When you're expected to win and you win, that's, that's something special. That's something special. And, um, and, and, and you know, sometimes you, you just, you've just got it. And they've obviously got it, you know. Mm. Oh, it's going to be interesting times ahead of the Olympics. So, guys, if you want to check out what Spencer's up to, um, you go to coachingsnumber2.com, um, and we'll have links on on imtalk.me and on Facebook and stuff in terms of uh, you know helping this project Ghana because uh, you know yeah, helping these developing countries is key. It is, it is, it is very, very important. And like I said, I'm very, very excited and, and honoured, humbled that, that they asked me to, to be part of this. And uh, yeah, we just want to push it. We just want to push it as much as possible. And you know, get people to to enjoy triathlon out there. That's the key. Forget all about the fancy toys and all the fancy bikes and this and that. That's down the. That's that's so far down the line. Let's just get them to swim, bike, and run. That's the bottom line. Awesome. Mm. Well, thanks for your time, Spencer. It's always good hearing from you legends and uh, great to see you doing some fantastic work out there. So thank you for your time. And good luck with the team. Thank you very much, boys. Thank you very much. Cheers. See you, mate. I do love Spencer Smith. He's just a character, isn't he? It's great. So um, upfront, honest person. And so if you want to check out Spencer's website, coachings... I think it's it's coaching S2. Okay. Coaching... S-T, S-T, uh, S2, S2, number yeah. two, dot com. We have a link on... Uh, if you go to the website, there's, there's kind of yeah, all coaching, this stuff. Yeah, coachings2.com. Yeah. Um, got a huge amount of knowledge, as you heard, got a huge amount of passion, and uh, good to see him, you know, putting, putting some, some time back into the sport in areas where he's not getting compensated for, so nice you work, Spencer. S2 is in Spencer S- Squared? 
Yes, I think it is. Genius. Yeah. Genius, yeah, guys. Yeah. Genius. Oh, man. Okay, John, Coach's Corner. Do you want a list of sponsor? Oh, no, no, there's no Coach's Corner. Sorry. It's uh, Epic Camp Interviews time. Do you want to do, do, do a sponsor? No, we'll do that after, straight after this. Okay. Uh, so Epic Camp Coverage, proudly brought to you by Blue 70, SLS Try. We've got some new SLS Try socks over there, which we're looking fantastic and I did notice the other day they released a little image they've now got sort of uh, you know how everybody's going for the one piece suits with the arms and stuff so SLS have got one well, of like those the whole suit. Um, sort of goes down to your, your elbows you know how oh, everybody's yeah, sort of going yeah, for the yeah. for the speed suits these days so they've got one of those out there Blue 70 um, Salt Stick we survived on those bad boys and also the guys at uh, Pyrenees Multisport so final episode of Epic Camp um, France 2016, we've got a bunch of guys coming up, Ben Moore who we were supposed to have on last week, unfortunately that interview got a little bit cut so it's the second half of that but he's a, he's a great guy and I sort of gave you the intro to him last week, Louis Di Giuseppe who is the heart and soul of Epic Camp, Bevan knows good old Louis and he was fan, fantastic value, saw my girlfriend naked, yeah, uh, really loved it. John Ballard who is out there racing at Ironman Whistler this weekend, so JB, go out there and kick some butt. Julian Stockwell, who's still over in France, cruising around, living the dream. Ollie Jenner, whose support crew Sausage. extraordinaire, Mr. Sausage, and we discussed that on the, uh, the show, I think. Um, we've got Walter on there, and then finally, last interview of the, the day would be Chrissy the Grinder McKinlay, who is off doing Alpe d'Huez Triathlon next week. Uh, through last week and this week, you're probably going to hear the guys talk about a couple of big days, and I'm not sure if I explained them. So put, to put them into context, day one, we had a, a incredibly challenging day. We had a very tough open water swim, very uh, very cold and very choppy, but then we did Mont Vent 2, and we had a long approach. It was about 100k with quite a lot of climbing. It was bloody hot. It was bloody windy, and then just about everybody cracked on Mont Vent 2, which is just a Brute of a climb. Um, so, a lot of guys will be talking about Mont Ventoux as being a really tough day and a real eye opener. And then the other day that a lot of people are going to talk about is the day where we came over the Col d'Isoard, where we started off at a place called Le Grave and then we climbed uh, over, up and over the, the Col de Galibier, which is one of the famous Tour de France climbs. And then we dropped down uh, and had a long, hot valley climb towards uh, the Col d'Isoard, which is the highest pass um, in the Alps and it was a lot harder than I expected and some guys, so John Ballard who's racing this weekend, we did a 10k run first thing in the morning which I think we started at 6 and then I think we got on the bikes maybe at about 8.30 something like that. He rolled into dinner, we were all in the middle of dinner at about 8 o'clock that night. <sighs> so he was out there all day and some of the girls, Chrissy was out there for a long time as well. So those are the two, two, two days you're going to hear um, quite a bit about. Times rock and roll. Okay, here they are, the Epic Camp, the last of our Epic Camp interviews. Alan uh, follows, studies them closely and applies applies what he finds from the numbers into our training programs. But one of his uh, things about me is that I can be, I respond reasonably quickly to training load, mm -hmm. but I can be a bit fragile when it comes to pumping out lots of intensity. Yeah. So uh, it can hit me quite hard. So, and at this, I've got a race in, I'm doing Ironman Wales in 12 weeks. Yeah. So I wanted to get as much aerobic base, around about aerobic threshold. So on the bike, uh, yeah, the top of, the top of steady sort of things, top mm -hmm. of steady, steady heart rate, steady watts, uh, around about that, uh, well, middle to, to, 
to upper end of Ironman effort on the bike mm. like as much as that as possible even going up uphill and obviously we've done a lot of that over yeah. the week so um, and to limit the the high intensity effort so I reckon I did the first swim we did I probably did that a bit hard on that first day mm-hmm. the first had a bit of a panic attack as well and wanted to stay with the guys that I was swimming close to for fear that I was going to suddenly sink to the bottom Um, and then when we went I think as a result of that jacked up the heart rate for the first hour and a half of the camp on the bike and sort of I was bouncing back and off back and front off off the group Uh, and at, at that moment reminded myself what my goals were and then dropped back and did uh, and ticked away for the for the rest of the week and today I rec- finished with like a prog- we did a triathlon today and finished I finished with like a progressive effort of sort of uh, reasonably easy on the swim uh, building into the bike steady yeah. moderately hard and then moderately hard to um, coming home reasonably strong on the last lap of the run felt felt good uh, mm-hmm. at the moment feeling full of an endorphin high and having spent 12 days here and from a, as long as I don't get sick yeah. uh, in the next few days I feel that um, I should come away with, with a nice, really nice strong base was it um, 10, 10 days, was it weeks. pretty hard when you see knuckleheads like myself sort of racing off the front <laughs> um, going for KOMs and stuff? Well I knew that you've got different goals to me yeah. and I must admit, I did want to lay it down, try and lay it down a few times <laughs> on some of the hills, uh, the mountains rather. Yeah. And uh, I got I probably on the run the other day. Probably had a crack at that for yeah. the first time, and, and like 30 minutes reasonably hard on that triathlon we did the other day. Um, but I was happy. I was happy just to watch watch yeah. everyone else. And I've been. I mean, I just could not. Maybe I could have bounced back, but but. Uh, based on what my, my sort of history, I don't reckon I could bounce back like you guys. But I mean, you yeah. feel um, even Mur- even Murray to yeah. an extent. I mean, he's he's bounced back continually after hammering on the climbs. JB, I room with him on Wednesday and Thursday last week. What was it? Thursday and Friday. He was having back spasms at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He then had heart palpitations the next <laughs> night, and I thought, no, he's cooked. He's cooked, and but he's got he's got stronger again, and, and yeah. got better and better, and had a really good race the other day. Was good yeah. again today. So that though you, you guys have been, it's been unbelievable to watch that, and then the physiology of some of the other athletes as well. Rob, um, who's done some pretty quick Ironman times. Mm. He's had, when he's done the races, he's raced hard in, the, mm. in those races, and then the next day he's been completely toasted, toasted <laughs> going backwards on the climbs. Um, you know, claiming he's lost and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's been yeah, it's been fascinating to see the the, the the different types of athletes, the different types of physiology. I mean, you know, you don't Shannon and some of the the other girls have been incredibly strong Shannon obviously very yeah. strong always up right up there at the front um, but Jen who hasn't done many Ironmans um, or hasn't done an Ironman I don't yeah. think um, and um, and the other girls Zania and, uh, and Chrissy and Di have just been ticking away all week so it's been uh, it's been a, a great insight um, into you know different different types of athletes and how that how they respond to to efforts and training and whatever else. So a very long way of saying no. It's been 
I, I just ticked away and did my, did my own thing um, and was it was fun to watch you, you, you and the other guys do your own thing as well. And any particular highlights of the camp? Oh, highlights. The swim venues have been fantastic. Mm. I mean, come, having spent eight years in Sydney, a lot of open water swimming was always gave me the heebie-jeebies. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, with the potential for for something catching on to you, uh, although Australians always claim that uh, that never happens, but <laughs> there you go. We were discussing with Stefan the other night. He's yeah. like, yeah, that can get you. Oh, you watch out for those. That can get you. That can get, oh, they don't usually get you, but that, yeah, that, that can kill you. Stand yeah. on one of those. Yep, and that and that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but 50-metre pools out there are fantastic. You know, mm. open water 50-metre pools, really miss that. So, But swimming some of these ones here, like you're underneath the mountains in a 50-metre mm. open water pool. That swim we did at Embram, yep. that was a unbelievable location even the one we've done the last couple of days here mm. so the swimming venues have been fantastic um, the the route itself has been outstanding the cycling mm. route has just been unbelievable we've gone uh, as I said I wrote down the other day we'd, we've gone over twice the height of Everest in you know in, in seven days yeah climbing um, a lot of miles like 600 yeah, over a thousand miles a thousand kilometres, yeah. um, and the you know the road surfaces are generally yeah. outstanding. Uh, I mean, in Sydney you risk death because of the drivers and the, the amount of traffic. In Chester it's potholes everywhere, and yeah. um, but here it's just been incredible. The weather has been incredible. Um, the, the mountains, seeing some of the mountains, you just watch. I've watched a lot of the tour on TV and watched um, come to Alpes to watch the tour, but even until you actually get on a bike and do it day after day you just mm. cannot appreciate what those guys do you know when oh. you go you know you go sort of steady moderately hard up Mont Ventoux for two hours and then mm. see that those guys do it in an hour yeah um, that's, that puts a new perspective on that so yeah the swimming the cycling route has been fantastic some of the runs we've done mm. I mean uh, again along that same theme the venue has been incredible like the the trail we did today for the race, the trail mm. and ran that a couple of times in the last few days. Um, the people on the camp, uh, you spent spent a lot of time with the people. Feel that you got closer to, you know, you've actually got to know a few people over the, mm. in fact, a lot of people over the 12 days, and everyone's got their own different goals, but. Um, obviously you can talk the same crap about nutrition and training philosophies yeah. and races and bucket lists and all that sort of stuff so that's been a lot of fun um, the I mean yeah a couple of highlights and, and then the France itself is just a fantastic place. I got waved through, I think, for the, about the third time the other day to come past a truck. The truck yeah. pulled over, toots its horn, waves me through when I was going on a downhill. Yeah. And there's nowhere else in the world that, that happens. No, so that's right. Awesome. It is a fantastic place. I mean, yeah. I seriously consider moving over here. Unfortunately, Britain's stupid Brexit. That vote out the EU, but anyway, that's a different story. But uh, it, I mean, as a locate the people, the, the location, the weather, and everything like that, it's been fantastic. I mean, there's so many highlights. Yeah. I've taken hundreds and hundreds of photographs. Yeah. Um, along the way, um, I had my cat, my iPhone in um, 
in one of the Ironman pouches or out on the front of the bike, so yeah, yeah. snapping away regularly. So yeah, yeah it'll be, it's been a fantastic, fantastic trip. I know you've done well. You've been very disciplined. I've been very impressed with your discipline, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to think up an appropriate nickname for you in the next couple of weeks. So very good. Thanks for coming, and uh, good luck with Wales. I'm very envious. It looks like a cool course. It does look like a cool course. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks very right. much for the camp. Okay, we've got an epic veteran here who's done multiple camps. Uh, tell us who you are and actually, in fact, how many camps you have done. Hi, I'm uh, Lou DiGiuseppe. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and this is my fourth epic camp. And um, just want to tell John how much of a great time I had, and I appreciate him believing in me that I can accomplish these these camps. So it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. No, you did awesome. Um, <laughs> I guess that begs the question, why the hell do you keep coming back? This, for me, is, is such a challenge. Um, I'm just a very average athlete, and uh, it, it challenges me every day. And I, I actually get very inspired by seeing the other athletes and the athletes that are you know, comparable to my age, just pushing every day. And these guys are Ironman World Championship qualifiers, and and I just um, it inspires me. And I just I love it. I love the camaraderie. I, I I just love seeing what I can do, and really going to the edge and seeing how to and and every day trying to deal with the issues that I have to try to get through each day. Um, and that's that's the challenge for me. And I, I just I, I love to face that challenge. You've been in the sport a long time. Um, You're you busting out a, a 1988 or 89 Ironman World Championship t- shirt the other day. Right. What is it that keeps you going? Has it been a continuous career, or has, have you sort of come and gone a bit? Uh, I've, you know, I could say that I've, I've probably retired from Ironman distance triathlon. I've, I really am fond of the Olympic distance and, and halves, and maybe that is partially due to just you know over you know injuries that I've had last couple of years I, I've been fully engaged in the sport um, mm. since that time uh, my, my wife Pam I met her uh, through triathlon she's she's done uh, quite a few Ironmans and we, we, we traveled together and we just love the we love the lifestyle we love the lifestyle and um, our kids are uh, getting into the sport now they're they're both swimmers uh, and, and, and runners and we just love seeing them enjoy uh, the physical activity, and they, they enjoy going to the races and watching mom and dad race. So, we hopefully, are setting a good example for the next generation. Mm. Tell us about this camp and how it's different to other ones. Because you did you did Canada, which was a couple of years ago. Yes. But prior to that, you know, we had a few. And this isn't derogatory at all to the standard of athletes here. But we used to have pros here. Yes. We used to have top top age groupers right. who you right. know a lot of the reason the camps existed was because Gordo wanted fast people to train with so there was some some serious fast people on the camps it's a bit different now and, and this camps had a little bit of a different vibe so maybe explain how it's been different this time around and the pros and cons to that well <laughs> well for me um, I I had different expectations I, I've never I've never uh, ridden in France before I've never ridden uh, mountains like this before. I've, I've done a few cli- uh, uh, training rides in Colorado, but nothing absolutely compares to this. Uh, yeah, I can see that we don't have that 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 super high level of professional athlete. Uh, like, like the first two camps, I think had had some pro athletes at it. Mm. Um, but nonetheless, uh, there's still 
very, very high grade, high quality, uh, uh, elite amateurs, and 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 I'd like to, like like I said previously, it just inspires me to try to be on that level or close to that level and and, and continue to push myself. Um, yeah, there's a there's a wider gamut of of, 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 of capabilities um, at this at this camp. It seemed like they was we were spread out much more at this camp due to the mm. due to the climbs. Um, but uh, I, I really liked I really enjoyed this in in, in regard to the, the diversity, the different mm. people that I met, um, and I, I enjoyed having uh, the, uh, the the group of the, the ladies. They just mm. they added a different you know. Um, uh, feature to the camp, and so it was just it, it was it's just a little bit more chilled, I think. More chill. Well, you guys in the front end, I don't know how <laughs> chilled it was, but um, maybe it was chilled. I, I don't. I don't know. It was. It was a very still. Every day was a challenge for me to get up and, yeah. and, and push through to get the to get the minimum requirements uh, to get camp completion. So, yeah, it was just one. It was still a wonderful experience, though. In terms of hardness, I'm finding it really difficult to, to gauge this camp okay. versus other camps. How hard did you find it relative to Canada, relative to New Zealand camps and what have you? So I was I was looking at my numbers. Um, I did actually a little less in terms of total hours training for the, uh, to, for this camp. However, the the uh, the climbing um, and the dur- the duration of the rides with the intensity of, of the climbing just made it so much more difficult for me. Mm. Um, there were long stretches in Canada and in, in, in the previous camps in New Zealand where I would just sit on my aero bars mm. and I, you know, I'd have, I'd have time to reflect on what I had to do and where I had to go and what I was going to, you know, when I was going to run when I got to the next next uh, stop and everything like that. This this was just like, so there was some points where it was just get over this, get over this mountain, get down the mountain in one piece and survive. And so, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I felt I, other, other of the campers asked me how, how, how did this compare? And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it through that I'm a little older. Uh, I have a couple little more injuries. So was it more difficult? Yeah, but I think technically and in terms of the, the challenges that you put uh, at the front end of the camp day mm. in day out we started off on a very very big day um, that kind of blasted me right off, right <laughs> off the start I thought I am going to be in a world of hurt but I, I, I paced myself and just said let's just get through every day and um, so yeah I think it was I think it was so, I, I the think most the first, difficult the first four or five days were possibly some of the hardest we've done yes. and then I think luckily we had a couple of easier days that if we'd kept going like we did that first four days I think uh, there would have been very few blow-ups. would not have made, <laughs> right, made it right so I think uh, yeah I think you strategically put the you know the the good rest the uh, well rest days but four and a half hours training on a rest day four and a half hours on a rest day right right which completely is like a paradigm shift it completely changes your concept of what a rest day is I mean I was looking forward to four and a half hours which you know at home is a big week a big day for me on a Saturday or something so just uh, again I want to thank you for allowing me the opportunity (laughs) to come because I don't feel like I'm you know I'm at the level of these other guys but I you know I just, I just really appreciate it. Thank the feeling you. is very uh, reciprocal in terms of uh, I think you inspire a lot of people. How did you find the 100 100s yesterday? 
Okay, so that was my first time I ever did that, and I will never do that again. <laughs> no, it was uh, actually, you know, I had, of course, Shannon. Um, I, I, I was able to work with Shannon on those. Um, I, I thought it was going to be maybe a little harder yeah. than I thought, than it, than it ended up. When I got somewhere between 60 and 70, I knew I had it. And yeah. um, it was, and Shannon also said the same thing. We're down, it's downhill, it's downhill. And we just, mm -hmm. we were counting backwards almost at that point. Uh, however, I am extremely sore in places in my back that I've never been <laughs> sore before and my shoulders are killing me, which uh, was a little concern on the, on the descent in the race today because I, I was getting back spasms and shoulder <laughs> spasms on the descent and I came down like a little like a little grandma coming down the hill today, but <laughs> like I always do. But, uh, but uh, very, um, I, I was looking, actually, it's funny. I was actually looking forward to that. Oh, when, you, yeah. you, when you announced that uh, several months ago or whoever did, yeah. um, I was like, you know, that is, I, that's something in my wheelhouse, something, something I could do. I don't know if I could do it on day 11 of a camp, but, mm. um, you know, I really was looking like that's the challenge for this camp you know I'm not going to win a KOM or anything but that would be something that I really want to achieve mm. you know and so I'm I was very very I felt very accomplished yesterday mm. I think that's one of the things I think Epic Camp teaches you is I was exactly the same I knew I could do the 100 100s but it was like how am I going to do it in this sort of shape exactly and you just it, it really teaches you these KOMs and the 100 100s in terms of just breaking it down for me it was 20 at a time when I'm going up a climb it's just one kilometer at a time and that's what you got to do in Ironman racing that's exactly right you and and th th you learn so many lessons on these camps you learn uh, learn what your limits are you learn what you you keep pushing these you, you push that limit each day and then you push it a little further than the next day and and with that you also you learn a lot from the other athletes um, you learn their techniques what they do what they do right you see what other what they do wrong sometimes <laughs> um, and it's an absolute pleasure for me to watch the the tactics uh, for the points competition um, and I, I just I enjoy it and I enjoy just the friendly rivalries and I enjoy most of all uh, making friends from all over the world. Mm. I mean, it's that's what life's all about, and so to do that, it's so, so cool. Well, any particular highlights in terms of particular rides or events that we did that really stand out for you? Well, of course, you know, I, I did like the aquathon in Embrun because I was kind of up in the placings there. <laughs> you know, um... Until I, you I, swam off course. I was I on Louis' feet, and yeah. he went to the wrong buoy. You know, everyone's saying... Well, today I think I swam right down the middle of the lake. So, yeah. and people are saying, "No, you didn't," but I think I did. So, uh, I, I I love the little races. I just do because um, you can see how you deal with, the, you know, the the stresses of the of the camp and how how your body reacts to all the training. Uh, I enjoy that. Um, I guess one of the, like we just spoke about the highlight was the hundred hundreds that's something I've never done before mm. uh, the, the the toughest day for me was the um, the cold day is a rod yeah yeah that was a, a day that I was on my bike longer than I've ever been um, close to close to 10 hours in the saddle you know give or take with the rest stops but and I, I, I want to really give a shout out to Julie and Ian. Uh, they were so positive and told me everything's going to be good. You just keep going, keep going. There was so many times I wanted to get in that van. And um, it was an, an ultimate epic. I mean, it defined the word epic that day for me. And so 
And that, that's the difference you get. Like the guys at Pyrenees Multi Sport, um, they do tours not just in the Pyrenees, but I've heard so many stories about people going on tours and being come home a little bit disappointed and, and staying at shitty two star hotels and stuff. But what you sometimes need is that little bit of motivation. And Julie, Julie standing at the top of a climb, playing yelling music, at you, playing music, playing or music. driving past you with the windows open with music blaring on, and it gives it does give yeah. you a little extra edge. You would think it wouldn't do much, but it really does. It mm. really does help. And you're, and if she's happy, and she's like, you know, she, she, it's almost the point where she, she believes in you. She believes you can do this, mm. and it's not that bad. And if she's looking at you and with a smile on her face, she's, I mean, you've got to think to yourself, this isn't that bad. She, you know, she's not thinking you're dying, so yeah. keep going. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, a big shout out to them, big yeah. total big shout out, and actually a big shout out to all the guys and gals on this camp that encouraged me and have given me, you know, words of encouragement and have supported me, and it just it was just a great experience. Every camp I've done has been a wonderful experience, um, and it's and for me. These camps are are my event for the mm. season. I don't mm. I don't have an Ironman to do. Um, I'm doing some smaller races, some local stuff, and maybe maybe a, a, a relatively um, different event this this August, the swim run event. But uh, this is something that I, I train for and to to accomplish. So mm. it's uh, it, it's just wonderful for me. You've Thank done you. it. Camp completion, Louis. Um, I'd say I haven't looked yet, but I think only about half the people managed to complete, so well done. And Thank you uh, so much. we hope to see you back again. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, you tell that to my wife. <laughs> Let's try to get through it. We're just going to try to get through this one. No, no, no F-bombs. No cursing, no F-bombs. <laughs> uh, we've finished, uh, we're, we're having our celebration dinner and we're through courses one. We had a bit of, bit of spring roll action, which was quite tasty, and then a little bit of bit of duck with a little bit of heat in it with some noodles it was most tasty and we're just waiting on dessert so i'll do a couple more chats we've got the red wines hand we've got john here tell us a little about yourself you um, i think we would have got you on in canada but tell us about yourself yeah i was on on in canada a couple of years back um been doing triathlon for you know, over 10 years and uh probably the last few years getting a, at the um, young age of 46 uh, getting a little more serious about, uh, I don't know, just doing very well at the age group level. Um, Where are you from? I am from, originally from Vancouver, Canada. And uh, I live now in Scottsdale, Arizona with my wife, beautiful wife, and uh, Claudia, and uh, Olivia, my eight-year-old daughter. So just touched down in Paris and having a good day by the look of it. <laughs> they, they are, a little jet lag, but their, uh, their, their adventures are underway, and I'll meet them there tomorrow. So I've got, to, I've got to admit, when you came to Canada, um, <laughs> going through Canada, I was just watching you going, my God, it is just a matter of seconds before this guy explodes. But you got through it really, really well. And, uh, and this and, time? And this time, <laughs> I, I, knew, I had learned from my errors in judgment, and mm -hmm. I was looking at you going, that guy looks like he's going to explode, but he's probably not going to. Um, run us through how you how your approach to this camp and, um, and some of the highlights from yourself. Sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of 11 days, kind of a blur. But uh, I know I'm better. I was better prepared, just fitness-wise, for this camp. But uh, I don't know about you or everybody else. I think everyone kind of agrees that went to Canada. This is quite a bit tougher than Canada, mm -hmm. uh, especially that first few days where you're doing, you know, two or three hours at five, five to ten percent hills. Uh, I mean, it just takes it out of you. And uh, but again, fitness-wise, I was better prepared. 
I think mentally I'm better prepared and just like the little things like staying organized and being being ready managing mental energy during during the 11 days it's it 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 helps a lot and it's going to help a lot with training and racing to be Mm. honest so i mean that's why people are here i think is to really uh go a little bit deeper than you could on your own or even in your training groups or with a coach Mm. um, because you're just never going to be at a place uh, like I was uh, a few times in Canada and maybe a couple of times here as well. <laughs> we had one, uh, we had Lou on just a couple before you, I think, mm-hmm. and he was talking about the, the cold Israel day. So that day we started in a place called Le Grave, which is uh, halfway up the cold Loteray. We climbed up the Loteray to the top and then we carried on over the Galibier down the other side where it heated up like a bloody sauna. And uh, we had then we had rolling hills to the base of the Israel for about... Uh, 40 kilometres and then the cold is ran and we were sitting there, we had this fantastic accommodation at a place called uh, San Foix yeah. Tarantese I think it was. I mean they're Which all beautiful. amazing yeah. places. But we're sitting there having, uh, having dinner, <laughs> good old JB's nowhere to be seen. That was a pretty big long day out there for you. Yeah that was a tough day uh, I think just like in Canada I started a little bit slow and tentative and I just, uh, first few days I wasn't getting the power that I wanted to you know, trying to trying to stay with you guys on the KOMs and things like that. Maybe going a little too hard at first, and then by the time that day came around, um, I probably did the first one KOM pretty hard. Or no, there was no KOM. So yeah. there was a there was a tough climb. I did that one too hard into the headwind, and then uh, there was just, yeah the long flat rolling sauna. I didn't even know <laughs> there was a KOM coming up later that day. So again, you got to keep on top of these things. But uh, so then me, Lou, Jen, and uh, Glenn just go, you know what, we, need to s- <laughs> we just need to stop for lunch here. <laughs> and uh, we found a nice little, and everything's closed in France, of course, <laughs> between noon and three. Yeah. But we found a nice place, uh, and I had a calzone and a, a very strong uh, beer, Chimay beer. And I thought I'd be okay, and then I just, I just fell off the back. And then got to the Col d'Azard. Col d'Azard. Col and Ian uh, was at the bottom there, and uh, I said, well, so what is this, like maybe 10K, 4 or 5%? He goes, ah, a little more than that. <laughs> and I just had nothing left in the tank. So, I mean, that, that really was dark. Yeah. Because I had to do, thir- if you've done 13K, I think that average, average about 8%. Oh, it was it. And we don't even have 8% in Arizona. I mean, it just yeah. doesn't happen. For 13K, I mean, that took me an hour and a half of just grinding it out. I couldn't even sit like I was out of the saddle most of the time. And then the descent after that and the co- very cold. And then before we got to the hotel, another 5K. <laughs> yeah. Another 5K at 7 or 8%. And again, Ian was at the bottom. He goes, you want to get in the van? I was like, I mean, not a... I'm, John probably would have given me a pass for completion on that one. Maybe not. Yeah. Who yeah. knows? But I said, no, not a chance. And I, I, I got up that one too. And... Uh, Got a smattering of applause before dinner, so you and know. It came in about eight o'clock, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we'd started at uh, started dinner. We'd, no, we'd, we we had a run first up. I think we started riding at maybe. Yeah, no, we, we yeah. I should mention we met probably ran a tough we 10, ran 10k, 10K before that, and then we must have left at maybe eight thirty or something like that. So yeah. eight thirty or nine. I mean, it was a tough ride for everybody. Oh yeah, but it was yeah, like yeah, if no, you get if you get out time. there by yourself. And I got to thank Glenn and Jen and Lou for helping me out in the middle part. But even, you know, they got a second win and, and made it before me. But anyway, I rallied uh, I rallied for the last six days. Yeah, no, you come home really strong. So what what do you think clicked? Um, well, I mean, I've, 
I've uh, under uh, John's tutelage here, I've uh, you know I really hit hills hard for one or two months leading up to the camp, and so I'm pretty confident on hills. I'm pretty confident in generally in my, what my power should be on mm. on the flat on the hills, um, and it just wasn't happening in the first few days. But the last the last five or six days, I mean, I've I've been able to hit my FTP mm. uh, pretty much at will for you know for. 50 or 60 minutes at a time and uh, and manage it. So I'm uh, going to have to figure out what I did because I was the same, you were the same, Phil was the same, Murray was the I same. I know, we've got to so, dial this in as a training plan of some kind. We've just got to figure out what I didn't quite get right in those first few days because, uh, yeah, I was exactly the same. Yeah, like I, I, couldn't get, I probably couldn't get over too fit. Like on, on Ventu, yeah. I'm going, if this is the whole camp, I'm dead because <laughs> that was a two-hour climb at 7 or 8% and I'm just, I can't even get over... You know, 230, 240 watts. But uh, the last, the last six or six KOMs, I've been 280 to 300. Yeah, no, some sterling no efforts. No problems. So. Any particular highlights for you? Uh, yeah, a lot. I guess lots of anecdotes. Uh, you know, all the tries are always a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, again, the last five or six KOMs where you just feel like you could just keep going, mm. uh, unless you know John and Shannon drop you in the last the last. Still, four you were five. third or fourth over a couple of them, that were, and we were pumping it. Oh no, you guys. Well, you guys weigh a little less than me. Yeah. But, um, but no, I was doing behind John and Shannon. I was probably doing 300 over 300 watts for 30 minutes, and then more of a mental break than a physical one, probably. Yeah. You know, when you let somebody get away a little bit. But even Adam broke. Yeah. And he got me back a couple of times. So yeah. Adam was very strong in the, at the end of the day as well. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, third or fourth KOM amongst these athletes. That's yeah, pretty great. pretty amazing. Any, anything anything you've, you've sort of learned? Maybe, you know, Canada was tough. This was tough. Was this, Did you find, you know, you learned a bit maybe on the Israel about yourself? Or was there any particular things you're going to go, shit, man, that was, uh, I'm taking that, putting it in my toolbox for, for Ironman coming up? I mean, just the ment- the mental stuff, I mm. think. Um, when I'm out on, so I've got Ironman Canada, as you know, in a couple of weeks. I've got other Ironmans this year, probably. Um, when you're out there uh, and it gets dark and you're hurting and uh, you just, you'll just remember what you got through here, mm. you know, and how you did it. And it's just, you know, one step at a time, essentially. Nice. And one kilometer at a time in the case of that cold is or <laughs> yeah uh we don't want to miss dessert because no, there's some, there's some hungry campers out not. here yeah. uh but no you did a sterling job and it's great to see you coming home so strong all right you too man are you yellow by the way <clears throat> some things take good time we have a, an advert in new zealand called mainland cheese and it's uh some they, they take a while to produce their cheese some things take good time i rolled into the start of the camp i rolled into axon provence to sit on a bloody train for three and a half hours and I rolled in at 11 o'clock. There was one person that arrived before me and I said to him, I'll do your deal. Come pick me up from the airport or from the train station and we'll, we'll have, a, have a bit of a deal. So Julian was the first to arrive in France. Welcome along, Julian. And I said at the time, he's listening to the podcast, I said, interview you before the camp. I said, during the camp, I'll interview you. And uh, I think you're going to be almost second to last interview, but we get there, and as I said, good things take time. So welcome along, and tell us your name and, and where you're from and what you get up to. Uh, Julian Stockwell, come from Sydney, Australia. Um, work as a lifeguard normally. Uh, mm. We'll be now working as a retail manager slash salesperson at a bike store. Plug, when the, get plug the store. Uh, it will be the Two Monkeys. Yeah. Uh, it'll be the new store uh, near Green Square in Alexandria. Should be a bit of fun. 
what's it, what's the store going to sort of specialize in? Uh, obviously, service. Yes. With every single bike store that you get nowadays, uh, Giants, BMCs, and a few more mountain bikes on top of that. So, hmm. and you're going to be talking to a person who's experienced. Uh, we've got we've got loads of photos up on our um, Epic Camp Facebook page, and there's some video footage as well. And you'll see Julian, the expert descender that he is, uh, almost horizontal, coming around some corners, showing us how it's done. Um, you listened to the podcast. What, what, what were you? What were you? Know, what did you know about the camp and, and coming in, and what did you hope to achieve? Uh, like a lot of people who are listeners, I listened to most of the podcast coming into this. Uh, definitely while training on the trainer in Sydney when it was raining, I listened to a lot of the epic camps from past yeah. and find out what was going to be happening. Yeah. Uh, as I said in an email, I was fairly shit scared coming into it, knowing what mountains I was <coughs> coming up. Um, it was a little bit hard the first couple of days. A little bit hard. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was an eye opener, that's for yeah. sure. Uh, but as you said, coming into day three and four, I started. The body started getting to know what was happening with mm. the mountains. It was. It was. I won't. It was never easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was. Yeah. It was. And it was just good. It was good fun. It was. It was uh, everybody seems to say day one was a bit of a shock to the system, and I'll admit, I did say we'd go out probably a little bit easier than I than, than uh, I said we'd go out at about Ironman pace, and maybe I was cracking it a little bit harder than Ironman pace on the front. Uh, did, did that give you the shits, or you just you're a bit of a bikey? So did you just uh, get amongst it and didn't phase you too much? The first four hours before we even hit Von Two was good, tapping out just a nice yeah. easy rhythm. Uh, by the time I'd got to the bottom of Von, von Two, I yeah. knew what was going to happen, yeah. and I had probably what was the first epic explosion of the camp <laughs> at around the 12k mark, yeah. just before you hit the chalet, yeah. where I had to lay down on the ground on my helmet and have a bit of a thought a bit yeah. of a gather, gathering my thoughts of what was going to happen for the next you know eight kilometers of this climb i made it i yeah. had to it, it, it as a part of the camp it was you know you couldn't just give up you couldn't just jump into the van at this point it was um again after listening to all the other podcasts it was you just continue on mm. got to the top the people from the um Pyrenees experience uh, were there to help us at the top it was fantastic mm. like the the support getting you to the top itself was probably what got me to the top mm. uh, definitely also other people on the camp I had a few people ride past mm. find out how good I was I wasn't in a good way <laughs> um, there was a lot of support all the way through that climb all the way to the top all the way back and yeah it was it was like coming back from war when people came into the uh, pit stop yeah. <laughs> How did you approach each day? Because um, you're probably in a, so a little bit like me, you're in a position where you kind of know the names of the climbs and you've probably got a fair idea. And you may have done some study. Unfortunately for me, I kind of knew every bloody climb that was coming. Um, but did, did you do much study before you came or did you just sort of take it day by day, kilometre by kilometre? Being a bit of a Tour de France nerd, <laughs> yeah. I've known... How many times the Tour de France had been over it? Who'd gone over first? Who'd won? At what point of which stage they'd gone over? Yeah. And I knew a lot more about the climbs than a lot of other people. Yeah. So therefore, once we hit the Izard, uh, the Galibrier, the Tourmalet, uh, sorry, the um, Telegraph, yeah. going through those, I knew what kind of pain I was going into. Yeah. I'd Google mapped some of the ascents, yeah. uh, the approaches to it. I knew what sort of um, percentages we had to go through. Mm. I knew what kind of pain I was in for. Yeah. <laughs> was it um, harder than you expected? You know, people who haven't ridden mountains, it's different. You know, when you go and ride a, a five or ten kilometre climb at maybe five to ten percent, 
you know, 10% is hard, whatever grade, but when it goes on and on, so it, did you find it harder than you expected or as you expected? The summit sometimes did not come quick enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but other times, as you were going up, you just accepted that every single kilometre, it would tell you what the percentage was for the next one. And it was, if it was under 7%, you were sort of happy. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> you, you, you see 7, you go, that's not so bad. You see 5, you go, sweet, there's going to be something good coming up. You see 5 and you're like, I can go faster. And you see over 7, you, well, you see 9 and 10, and then you start, yeah. It's exponential, isn't it? It's very, very exponential. 9 does not is not that big a deal, but when you're third, long way into a climb, 9 and 10 is heartbreak hotel stuff. Especially going up one of the last climbs before we came into Morzine, the... Um, Ramez, where oh, after a tunnel, yeah, it hit 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was literally 2k from the top. Yeah, wasn't really happy. No. <laughs> um, and what are you hoping to do with your fitness now? Continue on. I've got another four more weeks in Paris, so I'll mm. be uh, through my coach Rob Dallymore of Foot Traffic. Nice, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's got he's he's got me in charge. So uh, sorry, he's in charge of me. So we'll be going through over the next four weeks uh, through the holidays. Just trying to keep the um, fitness and the nutrition up and top. And then we've got another, I believe it's 18 weeks before I do Bustleton. Oh, nice. And tonight, this won't come out till, uh, when is this going to come out? Probably a week, next Tuesday. So today is Thursday. France are playing... Uh, Germany. T- Germany. Is it tonight? Yes, it is. Who's winning? Who's going uh, I haven't started yet. I believe no. it would be better for Portugal if France actually wins. Yeah. But I've got the feeling Germany we probably will. Yeah. Because uh, you've got a little affiliation towards Portugal. I do. So the question for you is, who did you bet, bet for tonight? I went for France. I went for, mm. I went for Wales last night, not because I thought they were going to win, just because I didn't want Portugal to win. Uh, I'm not a soccer fan, but I'm having a little competition with my son. And I'm one point ahead of him, so he's leaped ahead yesterday. And so I need France to bring home the bacon today. But a bit like you, a little bit like you said, I kind of want them to win, but I think Germany's going to win. <laughs> still hope you beat your son and what about Tour de France we've had a couple of days watching that uh, are you following it well no, I've seen you following it <laughs> except when you <laughs> fell asleep on the couch today you weren't following it very closely then uh, who's your pick for Tour de France uh, two horse race yeah Quintana for him right agreed uh, literally flip of the coin between the two if one of them has a bad day it'll be the other one's race there is no one else mm. awesome no, it's been fun having you here and it's been good to see you dishing well dishing out some uh, good descending experience because we had some let's just say less than optimal descending and it's good to see especially today I'm sure you probably made up plenty of time it was good to see we had a race today which was a, a one about a 1.2 to 1.4k swim and then a 28 kilometer loop which is basically a 10 kilometer 10 to 12 kilometer climb and then a stinking long descent for probably ballpark same sort of distance and then a bit of flat and a little bit of hill, a little bit of hill to get back. So it was good to see that descenders actually <clears throat> got a chance to actually descend fast and then use that to their advantage in a race rather than stopping at the top all the time. So well done. Good no, stuff. it was good. No, I did have a comment from one of the other uh, camp competitors who said he slowed down after <laughs> I went past him because he saw how reckless I was <laughs> and he feared for his own safety. Yeah, I thought that was a great compliment. Good. Nice work. <laughs> well done. Thank you very much, John. Dave Dwan, if you're listening, your hero parent is now on this show, Ollie <laughs> Jenner, um, who has been our support crew extraordinaire um, on this camp. Ollie, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what made you want to put your hand up to, to come and help out at Epic Camp. 
Um, so I have been based in France for 10 years now. Um, I've been a keen triathlete for all that time. Um, I've followed John and Bevan's podcast for since it started, really, for, since episode five. Um, <laughs> so when John uh, John asked me about Epic Camp, it was, uh, yeah, I was definitely up for it. Definitely up for uh, coming along and helping the guys out. He's one of the Camp Kiakaha originals from eight years ago when we did our first one in Pyrenees Multisport and it was great if you got maybe go to our Facebook page and, and Ollie flicked through a few pictures from that camp and uh, <laughs> it was a long time ago and you looked like a spring chicken back then I know yeah a few less wrinkles and 10 kilos lighter <laughs> yeah so you, you've followed the, I mean I've asked the same sort of questions to the athletes um, you know you've, you've followed the camps you kind of think you know what you're getting in for but what's the what's the sort of camp been like for you oh, it's been brilliant it's um I'm everybody has thanked me uh, for helping with the camp but I'm quite grateful well, I'm really grateful to everybody else because it's been inspirational seeing uh, how hard the guys have trained seeing themselves push themselves day in day out and um, just sharing a little bit of those those battles that they go through each day mm. and so by, by trade now yeah because I think Ollie's called the Mr. Sausage, I think we called you originally. <laughs> and you can go wherever you yeah. want with that one. Mr. Mr. Sausage is great when uh, you're a butcher, but when you become a sports massage therapist, <laughs> it's not such a good nickname then. We may have to come up with another one. Um, and, but you're a massage therapist by trade now? I'm a sports therapist by trade, yeah. So injury rehabs, sports injury rehabs, and uh, my background is in sort of cycle and triathlon coaching. Cool. Now, um, how, have, how have the guys' bodies reacted? You know, you've had to do a little bit of rehab um, with some athletes, but how have you sort of found athletes' bodies change a little bit as you've gone through the camp? Yeah, there's been a, a big split, really, between them. There's, I'd say half of the group have, have gradually broken down as the camp's gone on. <laughs> They're suffering more and more muscle muscle tightness and strains. Um, but there's a, also there's half that have got stronger and ridden into the camp. Um, mm. And that's been quite interesting to see from a, a professional point of view. Um, mm. The majority of injuries and problems have just been overuse and general fatigue. We don't do any overuse stuff on this camp. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> um, did you have anybody, like, I've tried to do the odd massage on my, my wife's calves and you literally just touch them and she's like squealing and saying, my God, what are you doing? And I'm, I'm hardly even touching it. Have you had any guys like that on this camp whose legs have been so smoked that you can hardly even touch your legs? Mm, no, but there has been like varying amounts of pressure that I've had yeah. to use. Yeah, I've had to adapt it for um, how, I, I've, how I feel that they, they've been able to take and what they need. Yeah, mm. definitely. And you've got to tell a little bit of a story about your first Ironman because it was uh, it was a number of years ago. Um, but maybe just tell us a bit of a story about your first Ironman. Uh, so my first Ironman was um, yeah, it's probably ten years ago now. Um, it was Nice. Um, I really didn't really know what I was letting myself in for. I hadn't trained specifically for an Ironman yeah. so I got my mum to make me a cheese and pickle sandwich wrapped up in tin foil and <laughs> turned up on uh, had that on the bike halfway around yeah <laughs> nice and you survived though yeah yeah I survived um, I made it around in uh, about I think it was about 13 hours my first one and uh, I got a little bit faster as uh, the years went by um, but I'm uh, hoping to make a comeback seeing these guys uh, 
push themselves as yeah as i say has been a real inspiration and uh, i hope to get back out there next year and uh, give it a go again we hopefully will see you in roach so awesome ollie you've been uh, absolutely fantastic i've loved having you along oh no thank you john Okay, I think I've got one or two athletes to go, and thankfully nobody is too heavily inebriated yet, but maybe I speak too soon. <laughs> and we've got Walter here along from New York. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Walter, what you get up to. Uh, four years into triathlon. It's been a good, good, good run. A um, little hard to train in New York City sometimes. Uh, none of my friends before I took this up even have any idea what this is or why I do it so I sort of have old friends and new triathlon friends so it's been a nice transition for me but uh do, do you still hang out with you I mean because a lot of people do get totally morphed into the triathlon world do you do you, do you still hang out with the old friends and do they you said they don't really understand what you do but it, yeah some people took totally just leave their old sort of circles uh I do one-on-one -on -one hang out with them but not group yeah settings and social settings that are just lower priority for me now so it's it, there's been a real change for me i would say i'm looking across at walter and he's it's he's got a little uh a little goatee going on here and he didn't have that goatee at the start of the camp so maybe uh share with us um what happened to you it must have been day four, four or five day four. day four day four yeah uh no one believes me from home but i tripped running on a trail run yeah. on a rock I, I don't know what I tripped on but tripped and, and first hit my chin hard yeah I think uh, and tweaked my ankle and my shoulder and no one believes me that it was a running fall mm. and not a bike fall yeah, uh, yeah. it hurts but what, what did you know about the camp before coming in because you came over with Rob uh, Rob Moore I think suggested it to you so did you, did you know what you were getting yourself in for I did not <laughs> no I had no idea and I only looked when Rob said, oh, and it's great, and it's in France, and I've done very little biking in my life, and my two bike trips have been in the French Alps. Yeah. So I sort of said to him, that's good news and bad news. The good news is it's incredible biking over there, and the bad news is I've done it twice, and I've never been anywhere else in the world. Yeah. So he's like, but this is awesome, and there are two spots, and we got to do it. So I literally <laughs> just said, fine, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, and then I read blogs two days before I came over. <laughs> yeah. Which scared the daylights out of me. Yeah. Um, so I did not have any idea what I was getting into. And so as, as those first couple of days unfolded, I mean, you got the advantage that you're a really good, strong cyclist. Um, were you just thinking, holy shit, what have I got myself in for? Or were you going, man, this is wicked. I'm, uh, I'm all in for this. I was all in. The hard thing was starting early and ending late. Was, <laughs> I was in a little bit of, oh, I was all in, but I was in shock and yeah. not knowing how long I could continue that pace. Yeah. But no, 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 I was, I was definitely all in and signed up. Nice. Uh, but it was, that's intimidating. Yeah. And what's been some of the, the, you know, you've done a number of these climbs before, but any particular highlights for you? Is it just the camp in general? The strength and consistency of the people on this camp is yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, and I even have done this with current U.S. ski team Olympic medalists. Yeah. And this was uh, an impressive group to be with. Nice. It was fun. It's, and I think it's good. I got my ass kicked pretty much every day. Yeah. And I, I think it's good to be humiliated and uh, taught your weaknesses to, to accept and try to build on them. And I know I'm not great at any of this stuff, but so uh, I... I 
It's not fun in the moment, but it's a it's very good to experience that. I think that was one of the things that Gordo used to say was, um, and, and some athletes really struggle with it. You come to camp, and some people think they're the big dog in their local area, and they're the the king, and they come here, and all of a sudden, you're uh, in the middle to the back of the packer, and some people don't uh, respond to it particularly well. And I think you have to learn to respond to that well because, for me, in Ironman racing. You have dark moments and bad moments all the time, and it's it's kind of how you deal and just execute your race, whatever comes your way, mm. that will let you have a good race in the end. And it's not, are you winning, and are you, do you feel glory along the way? That's not, to me, that isn't how racing works. So this mm. was good because it, uh, it drilled that home right. often. Um, and what's your plan for the rest of the year? Kona in three months, uh, maybe a half or two in the interim. But I also I got to get my ankle yeah. back, um, which I think will come back. But I need to uh, need to pick back up. Uh, was it you had uh, one day I think where you were completely out? Was that uh, was that doing your head in? Was it what? was that was that really screwing with you? Were you pretty frustrated when you couldn't be out there, or you just did you just accept okay? shit's happened I'm just gonna have to deal with this and uh, how did you deal with it that was the right thing to take a day off yeah and that was uh, Tim Tim very strongly said take the full day off yeah and then and then the next day was try to bike and it turns out I actually could bike and I didn't know if I could climb I didn't know if I could put weight on my ankle and I could and I think had I not been able to I was debating should I just leave yeah. versus spend another week watching everyone that would yeah. have been tough so it yeah. was uh i was accepting maybe this is just the end and it's yeah. you know injuries happen and i'm 47 years old and yeah. you don't rebound within five minutes so yeah. uh and luckily i could i could bike just fine and the biking did not bother me Good. which Are was you- a relief because i didn't i don't know what sprained ankle maybe it was a minor i don't, I don't know I, so i didn't know what that meant for me yeah. You boxed on Admiral and you beat me up bloody Mont Ventoux by passing me at the end. Uh, and but you were a My claim to fame was day one. Day one. <laughs> and uh, you boxed on Admiral and it's really good to see when people come back from adversity. So uh, well done and it was a pleasure having you here. Thank you much. It was fun. Great. Awesome. Lucky last. Save the best till last. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you might have been on before when we had maybe Kona Camp. We've got the grinder. No, no, I didn't get you no, on I've Kona never, Camp either. I've never been interviewed on the podcast. Oh, my goodness. I was at the I Am Talk weekend, but Dave did it, and his interviews all went to He's a rookie. As I said, yeah. Ollie's in, Dave, you're out. You're history. Yeah. You're nothing to us. <laughs> Sorry, DD. <laughs> um, so we've got the grinder here, and every day <laughs> we're watching a race, and, and the, usually the girls, you know, they're at the, the tail end of the field, and, grind, and Chrissy comes around, and she's, Phil just goes, come on, grind that, grind it out. So I think it's one of the uh, one of the best nicknames and we've got yes. the Les go Francais here as well, or de la Montagne. So Chrissy McKinlay from Christchurch, tell us um, where you are from originally and what you get up to. Well, I'm from Edinburgh originally, but I've lived in Christchurch for the last 16 and a half years, and I got into triathlon about 11, 12 years ago maybe. Did my first Ironman nine years ago. Yeah. I'm a dentist, obviously. That's my nickname, not for any other reason. <laughs> I'm actually going to. I had an appointment with Chrissy before I came, and I was thinking to myself yesterday, looking after this camp, I think I'll need another appointment when I get back. Although I have 
I have, lost, I like have, I said. Yeah, mm. I haven't had any sports drink in the entire Good. camp. Good. I've had a few gels, mainly been mm. nuts, M's power cookies, Very and good. I have been brushing two or three times a day. And in my pre-race briefing, pre-camp briefing, I did yes, tell everybody to you brush their teeth. <laughs> did I notice a lot of the boys who into the coke oh from early God. on into the camp? I've hardly, I've hardly had any. Yeah. I like to say a good example. Um, so what you've listened to the show, mm-hmm. you've been on the Kona camp. What were your expectations coming in? Uh, a lot of trepidation. I thought I was probably going to have to get into the van almost every day. Mm. Um, going from what I've read, and I've followed Epic Camp for a long number of years and always found it really fascinating and interesting and everything. And um, I was just saying, we were chatting about this at dinner last night, and I think if there hadn't been as much climbing, it would have been more drilling it on a bunch on the flatter yeah. kind of rides. I think I would have struggled a lot more because they're the sort of, it's the sort of riding I really struggle with. Mm. I think with us girls, because we're a wee bit smaller, and our power to wait so a wee bit better we've not been as far behind on the climbs as we yep. probably would have been if it had been flat so yep. I was totally terrified I knew that my swimming would completely go to shit during <laughs> because I find the more fatigued I get in a camp like my biking gets better my running actually always turns up better than I think but my yep. swimming gets worse and worse and worse yeah um, I just wanted to try and make it through every day so I'm really pleased and but I was absolutely terrified at the start and I've got to admit, um, Chrissy and I came over on the same flight. It was, it was quite nice. My first flight, we were in Premier Economy, and I was going, this is the business. And then I was back to cattle class, and Chrissy stayed up front. I was like, damn you. Uh, but I was concerned for yourself when you turned up, and uh, you weren't uh, in the best of health to no, start. No, I was sick. That must have been a bit, of a bit of a worry. That was horrible, because I just felt absolutely awful. And that first day when we did Mont Ventoux, I seriously thought I was dying, but I thought I would have got, in, got into the van just because I thought I want to get over this bug and make sure I do the rest of camp but there was no way I was going to not get mm. to the top of Mont Ventoux because that's one mm. of those bucket list things mm. but I thought I was dying <laughs> <laughs> I actually found once we were out of the woods and that last 6k with the zigzags was much yeah. just a wee bit easier Yeah. and then I felt I, I, the second day of camp we were riding and I couldn't put out any power my average power for that day was 98 watts yeah. and my normal Ironman wattage is about 130 yeah. and I was like oh my god this is awful <laughs> and then I was really chesty on the third day and missed that but then after that I seem to have come right so I'm really pleased I think I made the right decisions Yeah. Um, yeah. but then I seem to have passed it on to everyone else yeah <laughs> Um, so you found you got stronger during the camp? Yes, yeah. I find that with camps. I always am way off the back on the first two or three days because the same thing happened in Kona. Mm. And I find even though you're tired, your biking doesn't actually draw. You get to a point, maybe day three to four, mm. where you actually hit a plateau and then your biking actually stays stronger, gets better, mm. which is kind of bizarre. I don't know. Mentally, I always think the first hour or two, when you get back on after a big day the day before, yeah. you feel awful. I feel like you're going to throw up your breakfast. The legs yeah. feel a bit funny. But actually, you can climb and do all those things that you would oh. never if somebody wrote it on paper. Mm. Never. And what I was doing was I was never looking at what we had to do the next day. Mm. I was that just was turning wise. up to listen to the briefing and going, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had a bit of a ringside seat to a degree on what was going on amongst the, the guys. And that um, was there any observations you've got from that? You're going, man, these guys are nut jobs, or that's kind of what I thought was going to happen kind of thought it was going to happen I knew what would happen on the first day was that because I've seen this I've been to a lot of training camps as yeah. the boys especially 
are all desperate to be in the it's like the alpha male in the pack thing yeah. all hanging on and I knew that people would blow themselves up completely on day one yeah. which did happen Yeah. and then they realised that maybe they should just start off a wee bit earlier there's no shame in being in the slower group the groupettos formed yeah. very early yes. on this camp because <laughs> a lot of people exploded on Mont Vaughan too and that's yeah. always what I've observed on camps and I think it's just a general pacing thing maybe males are a bit worse at it than females I don't know mm. um, but being at the very back of the pack, I couldn't see. Apart from when you boys were doing your KOMs and you'd all come racing yeah. past, I never really saw what was going on too much mm. up the front. But you do observe a few tactics and things, and it's funny how people get so hooked on the points and the <laughs> yeah. tack-ons and how it almost gets a little bit... Yeah, same thing happens yes, at the camp. <laughs> yes, um, but from my perspective, I was just like, I had a couple of issues. I was like, oh, I should try and get more. And then actually, like, no, I've achieved more than what I thought I would achieve. And I have I feel I've done everything to my best intention. Yeah. So I'm, I'm quite happy. But yeah, I didn't really see too much of what was going on. But uh, yes. Did you learn anything about yourself out there in terms of, you know, a lot of people have commented they mm. had days where it was pretty dark. Uh, mm. Did you have any days where you go, and you, where you overcame something? Yeah. Um, I'd say Mont Vaughan too because I felt so ter- like mm. just being sick. I, f- I couldn't breathe and I felt so terrible. But I was just like what, one ped. I was just thinking honestly down to one pedal stroke that day, mm. and then I was just going, okay, we'll just stop, breathe for thirty seconds, and get get back on the bike again. Yeah. And then the other day was that day we did the Isaran, yeah. like all those calls, yeah. and I felt quite good climbing that day. But that day, that going up the Isaran, I was like. That again was every couple of pedal strokes, and I was like, "This is much harder than you know any Iron Man yeah. is never gonna." But you just employ. I was employing mental strategies. I was singing songs in my head, and I was thinking, "If I get off, the other two girls will actually catch me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't want that to happen either because I was ahead. You know, yeah. We're all a wee bit competitive. I'm. And then I saw this sign. I think three k to go that said it was the average grade of ten yeah, percent, and I was just pretty. like few f-bombs went off my head and I was like it's okay I was thinking you've just got less to climb than if you were going to Port Levy or going to Pura or going up Cooper's Knob so that's how that's how I get through I go the next three k's are just like going up Mm. Summit Road so that was a very dark day in the Israel but I was really proud of myself for sticking it out because I did want to get in the van a few times (laughs) even on some of the descents so and uh epic shopping starts tomorrow yeah, well, they'll be epic shopping. I don't think I'll be epic the, the, the girls, shopping. The girls are on the... They couldn't get out of here fast enough. They're on the, the 515 uh, <laughs> shuttle out of here to yeah. get uh, on the bus to go to Milan. Yeah, well, all I'm looking forward to is a decent Italian pizza. Mm-hmm. And then I'm back to LCHF proper on Monday <laughs> because I've been epic eating as well on this camp. So I need to rein that in a little How bit. How have you handled too. that? Because uh, we have been... I'm not as strict on my diet as you are, I don't think, but uh, I've been sort of low-carb, high-fat. This uh, And, and mm. I sort of held that maybe uh, yeah. together for the first day or two, um, but then all of a sudden it just went out <laughs> the window in a big way. Well, I had one pastry in Beaufort that day that we came over that call, and it was a really cold descent. Cold I can't uh, remember the... Rosalind, de Rosalind. Outstanding climb. Yes. Lovely climb. Really cold descent because it's all in the trees. Mm. And um, so we stopped at a coffee and a pastry at this patisserie which was like oh my god it was like Disneyland or something <laughs> there. Um, and that was the only pastry I've had every day at breakfast there's been pan au chocolat and I've like I've refused oh it I did get into crusty bread about four days ago that went by the wayside <laughs> I've been eating bread for the last four days and I hadn't had bread for about god about 
10 months or something like that. Yeah. So, But I'll rein that all up back in yes. come Monday, but Very the weekend will have to be slack. So. Um, and maybe contrast this camp. You've done the Kona, yeah. Kona camp. Contrast this compared to, to say, the Kona Epic yeah. Camp Light. Um, well, Kona's pretty, there's still pretty meaty training in yeah. Kona, but I think with this one we had less, especially being in the slower group, the one thing I've noticed is the long days. Mm. We have no extra time. Like the day that we did the Izaran, we rolled in and we got picked up, yeah. four of us, 10 keys, 15 keys from the end. We rolled in at like seven o'clock at night. And started at seven. And we started at seven. Yeah. And you've got no time to get, do anything. I mean, you're not here for a whole, Epic Camp's not about having a holiday yeah. experience. I, know, I knew that from the start. But you guys got no downtime to even breathe. It's enough time just to get yourself showered, yeah. make sure you've got clean cycling kit for the next day, and your bottles are filled up. Yeah. Get down to dinner, eat, and then go to bed. Yeah. And that's the difference with the Kona campus. And that's the harder bit is just making sure you get the recovery time, and especially when you're a slower yeah. rider. But because it was kind of planned for some days where we weren't riding as much, it's actually been okay. Mm. The daily grind. The daily grind, indeed, <laughs> and lots of grinding. I did do up yeah. all those calls, but yes, well but worth it for the views and the experience. Great. Now you guys have brought a, a, a different dynamic to the camp. It's been fantastic <laughs> having you here. Thanks so well for done us on come, completing John. and uh, and getting through, especially after some sickness. I was concerned that you were not going to make it. So well I done. I was too. <laughs> Thank you, John. An excellent camp. Thank you very much. Great. Okay, Jumbo sponsor. Oh, you, you're jumping ahead again, Bevan. You just you got, you got you're eager. There. No, you, you look above that. Oh, jeez, you're picky today, aren't you? We're too bloody picky. Well, I'm trying to promote our, our Kona camp next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in terms of if you're keen on on Epic camps, you love what you're hearing. Um, we've got the Kona camp, which you, you get to meet Bevan over there as well this year at Ironman. I still it's a couple of the camp, of, to be honest. We're not a couple of slots over there. Plus, you get to see the the World Championships. Um, so, if you want to come on that, I still probably can squeeze a couple of people in there. Next year, we'll be going back for the for the regular Kona camp for seventy point three, and the standard at that camp is um, sort of. No, no, we've got some good guys. So we've got guys like um, the Timotron, Tim McClurg. Um, he's over there, and, and myself, I'll be doing that camp as well. So you kind of got guys who are, you know, sub 10 to, to 9 hour speed, but we have other guys on there that are sort of uh, in the 10, 11, 12, 13 hour range. So generally, if you're just you're a keen athlete, we have even got a couple of a little bit slower than that for, for next year. So it's it's more of a we can we can cater for everybody. It's an epic camp light. There's still some big days in there, um, but you get to the 70.3 at the end of it. It's fantastic. It's not time. as long as a camp. No, it's a it's a week long camp. Um, so it's it's more or less about four days of good solid long training. You do get you to ride the full Ironman course, and then at the end of the camp, then it's sort of a couple of days easier leading in. And you do 70.3, which is a fantastic event. Next year, we'll have the Camp Kiakaha, hopefully in rote. We'll have that confirmed, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. Not going to be epic, but it's going to be a week-long camp um, leading into Challenge Road. We'll get to do some sightseeing. It'll be sort of rides of 50 to, to, to 100Ks, so it won't be anything crazy because we will be doing the uh, doing Challenge Road, so you'll be nicely acclimatised to the local um, area and then what I am looking at if you're looking for a full Monty epic camp is probably planning on doing them every two years so looking at 2018 in France and at the moment looking at doing a, a traverse across the Pyrenees so if you're keen on that uh, and you want to get your name on the, the potentials list um, get in touch I haven't got any details at this stage but if you're keen check it out John mm. sponsor athlinks.com <laughs> 
you know what I'm going to do after today's show? I'm going to go and see if I can find my result from the Chennai Triathlon. And uh, oh, there's a challenge for you. 19. I think it would have been 1999 <laughs> or the start of. 2000 potentially do you think it's possible do you think probably not India is pretty advanced on the old interweb yeah but not back in those days not back in those days um, so I'll see if Good I can luck. find uh, that and get that up on Athlinks because that's the cool thing get all your old results up there because things are just disappearing these days events are folding up if you've got it on Athlinks it'll be your little snapshot of your history and your triathlon career so we've got on our Facebook page from Muhammad how do you say his last name ADRs. We'll go with that. I'm he not just got just created my Athlinks account. It is cool. Thanks guys for telling us about it. Yeah. So there you go. So keep Athlinks. I'm gonna my Apple on the Skyway second. Keep it all your results in one place. So if you want to get if you want to do that, like Muhammad has, so let's have a look. Adiaros. Adiaros is it? Adiaros. What would you say? Adiaros. Yeah. I think you're right. So Muhammad, he's like, yeah, loving this. This is awesome. It is. Great place to keep all your results in one place. Check it out, athlinks.com. Okay, uh, Jumbo, got to say, pretty excited because it's questions and answer time. <laughs> okay, John, Rob Coltman has sent through his talk. Uh, Greg Salsa. Salsa? Salsa? Souza. Souza. Um, spread the word about a friend of mine and fellow triathlete, Greg Souza. You're going into this with a lot of enthusiasm. And it's not, it's not enthusiastic. No. Oh, no, this is not good. Okay, let's, re let's change my tone. Greg Salsa. Basically, spread the word about a friend of mine and fellow triathlete, Greg Sosa. He passed away, TH. Thursday, I think. Probably. Okay, it's meant to be Thursday. Okay, leaving behind two wonderful kids, a hardworking, uh, we are working hard with a GoFunding page to help raise money for medical expenses and anything else they need. Oh, yeah. So, Greg basically was a bit of a local triathlete, bit of a bit of a legend. Um, seemed like one of those guys who was just a great guy. Yeah, and be battling with the, battling with this illness. And um, there's a big, there's a good article if you want to find out more about this. Go, we'll have a link to Ironman.com. Um, there's a long article about um, about Greg and suffered from brain cancer, and he's done a whole bunch of events. And just if you want to support Greg, he's got a pretty good story. Um, Greg's family. Um, we'll have a link up there. There is a GoFundMe page to, to help his family through this difficult time. Yeah, it really is. And, and so what, what they've done is, they've, you know, his local community have got together. And I think they've got the goal of running 10, raising $10,000. And last I looked, nice. I'm trying to put up now, but my internet's going a bit slow. But last I looked, they weren't far off it. So if you've got a few dollars to spend, you know, because it's a... Man, it's it's such a horrible. Like if you, oh no, they've got they've, they're trying to get to fourteen k now. They've got up to thirteen k. So they've, you know, the more that they can get, the more they can help his family out this hard time. It's like death's such a horrible thing, and to have to deal with that emotionally is obviously pretty pretty challenging. But at the same time, there's all that financial side of it as well. And mm. if, you know, like it's funny, a friend of mine died a couple of years ago. It was really tragic. My our age, mm. out playing with the kids at the park, fell mm. over, banged the back of his head, mm. died. Mm. Yeah, man, and and unfortunately, no, I don't, I'm not reflecting on Greg's situation here, but unfortunately, my mate wasn't those guys who the kind of guy who's good with money, mm. so he kind of left his family with nothing, mm. um, and it was really sad. But it was really cool because it was a Les Mills guy, and the Les Mills community got him behind him, and we raised enough money where his family could at least get through the next few months mm. in a way that you know, and and have a little bit more that maybe they could do something with that money to help mm. them moving forward, um, and it's you know like. These are horrible times, you know, when these things happen in people's lives. So if you've got a few dollars you want to chuck Greg's family's way, um, I'll put a link to our, the GoFundMe page on www.iamtalk.me and just, you know, a few dollars out of your pocket will make a big difference to his family. So 
you know, good luck to the family and also great well work for um, Rob and the people who have organised this. John, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. I'm going to get sick of the extreme (laughs) movement. (laughs) I guarantee when we're okay, I'll get him to do it on video. Okay, Jombo um, and patrons. A couple couple more of our patrons. Um, Andrew, so it's a long one. Andrew, you can keep your hat on, Seager. Nice. Matthew, smash the pack, uh, Conrad Jones. Olaf, the pipeline pusher, Schweidler. And James, (coughs) trawler, Slade. Nice. There you go. So if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.iamtalk.me. Makes a massive difference. It really helps us in what we're doing. You do go in the draw to win a trip to Kona. Um, and yeah, let's, uh, thank you very much. Jumbo. what's your goss? What's my goss? I was um, coming home from the pool. I took the kids to the pool the other day at school holidays. Is it pretty full on for you right now? Yep. Thomas and I got Felicity to do their 50 metre. Uh, occasionally when we go to the pool, they they want they like to do their little 50 metre time trial. Just And they've got a little piece of paper where they record their times. Oh, nice. And, do uh, they do swimming lessons? Yep. yep. Who's per- the better swimmer? Well, this, this is getting close now. Is There's really? a little bit of competitiveness there. Oh, really? And uh, so I'm just looking forward to the time. Do you, do you tell the one that who loses you're not going to love them anymore? Just to really well, Thomas did. It? Thomas did one. He, he did 150 for his, his first little attempt. He didn't put a very good effort in. He was, his arms were all over the place. Oh, so I said, that's 150. Tom, your best is 142. Try try again next time. But Philly then jumps in and she does a 143. Oh. Thomas goes, I'm trying again now. And he got a 138. So, do you uh, do it where they race each other next to each other? No. That would, I think they would go a little bit too hard in the first 25 and probably explode and then I'd have to get in and rescue them. So <laughs> no, we don't, we don't do that. Um, but yeah, but the, then I was coming home from this, from the pool, and I was driving along the street, and I saw this couple running along, and I th- and the guy was in front of the girl, and this I was, me. I was the guy was in front of the girl, and I was like, <coughs> that poor couple, that girl is going to be getting pissed off at her partner who's supposed to be running with them. The partner's going to be going, oh come on, let's get a bit of a move on. I drive up and I go, there's Bevan looking at his watch. It's like, come on, what are you doing? Can I tell the story? Yeah. Can I tell the story? I'm yep. actually a really good training partner for Joe because what I do. She sets the pace, mm-hmm. but on Friday, yes, it was me, Friday. On Friday, th- she was doing a run where she had to do a forty-five minute run and then a five k race, which we mm-hmm. were doing for the runners on Saturday. Yeah, so <clears throat> pre-fatigue them a little bit and then smash them. Mm-hmm. Well, because she had to work on Saturday, she couldn't do the run. So we said, and and <clears throat> she hasn't ran as much recently. I think her PB's maybe twenty, twenty-one, maybe twenty fifty or something like that. Yeah, but she was thinking if I could do under twenty-two. Mm. 22 and a half, I'd be happy. But we said, well, let's try shoot for 22. Yeah. So I was coaching her, John. All right. And you know what she did? One twenty-one thirty. Nice. So I did my job. So yeah. actually, while you're looking at me, you're thinking, that's a loving partner. No, no, I was not thinking that's a loving partner. I was thinking, that guy's going to, that's just not going to end pretty. Somebody's going to be angry with somebody. The moon. She wasn't that happy with me during the race, I have to admit, because I was kind of going, okay, you're doing this. And she's like, oh. But then at the end, she was what was that noise? Um, she was over the moon. So, Coach good. Bev. Good. Yeah. Nice. I'm a good partner, John. Fantastic. Any other goss? No, I've got to get back into my study today, so I've got to get rolling in a moment. Uh, taking two papers this term, so it's going to be a bit more of a challenge to fit everything in. When do you finish up? Oh, be, I don't know, oh, no. a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. They, um, that book, Peak, that, I'm, yeah. that I highly recommend, yeah. that I'm loving, he's talking about, he talks about kids. Mm-hmm. He talks about, you know, if you look at expert performers, getting in young is an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he also often talks about they often just follow their parents and stuff mm-hmm. like that and um and the things that their parents are interested in but also siblings are really important and it's often the younger kid is, ends up being the better one. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely they yeah. get dragged so, up you know get dragged up and yeah. uh, get motivated so who's the younger kid felicity oh, she, you know she's she's i'm screwed performing better yeah <laughs> uh any other goss no did you watch the rugby Yes, I did. It was disappointing. I've re- just reactivated my Sky subscription. And, I th- and Thomas doesn't usually get to watch rugby. It's on a little bit late. And he's, he really wanted to watch it. I said, yep, it's a 5.15 start. So it's going to finish at 7.30. Watch that. And that was, um, second Probably. half was not was not pleasant. It wasn't pleasant, John. Mm. It wasn't pleasant. That's right. We'll go over and kick the Saffers, South Africans' butts and come back and win the whole thing. Yeah, go to the Bevan, what's happening in your world? Anything exciting? Um, last weekend, what happened, John? When you saw Ghostbusters? Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Did you love the original Ghostbusters? Yeah, it's great. I've never seen them. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. Oh, no, they're fantastic. For a movie buff like you, I'm very know, shocked mate. and saddened for you. Well, I think the thing is, is what are, like, like get it out. I told you my Top Gun experience, didn't I? Yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have. Because everyone who in the 80s, did you like Top Gun? Yeah, yeah, I watched it millions of times. Yeah. I hate it now, but I've liked it. Everyone the loved Top Gun, and I never saw it. Mm. And so Joe said to me last year, let's watch Top Gun. It is terrible, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy is... I would hate to be this person. He's an absolutely horrible person. Everything yeah. about him is horrible. His ego, his everything about him. Like, if you watch it from today, looking back, you go, "Why was this appealing?" You know, mm. but in its time, it would have been amazing. And I think maybe I wonder if Ghostbusters would be that if I went back and watched it, the original one. I think, Ghost, I, think I think Ghostbusters would be pretty good. Maybe I will. But mm. okay, so the new Ghostbusters, I thought okay, but not great. Right. Parts of it were fine. Admittedly, I did fall asleep in the big action scene. <laughs> but uh, other than that, so I saw Ghostbusters, rugby Saturday night, in-laws. I ate a lot of food on the weekend. How's your eating going? You I'm raining it in. But oh, I, <laughs> come on, mate. You've been back for a couple of weeks. My belly is expanding. I'm not stressing about it, but I'm, I'm annoyed about it, but I'm not stressing about it. How do you find it? Do you, do you, you know, low-carb, healthy, healthy fat thing, how are you finding it as a manageable thing long-term? Oh, no, it's going to be manageable. It's just it's absolutely manageable. It's just Epic Camp. You just eat so much and your metabolism is just going ballistic. Uh, really challenging to get it back on track. But, yeah, no, lo- long term. That's what I like about low-carb, high-fat is I think it really is sustainable long term um, because you're not depriving yourself. You're not going hungry and stuff, mm. which I think is key. And you're also because fat's got I'm so trying to get another lady on, on, on low-carb, high-fat. I, I sent her an email yesterday, but I don't know if it was her official email. Should I get Dan Beeren on again? Well, there's this lady, Louise Burke from Australia. She's the head person at AIS, or at least was. And she's done some research into it in terms of... uh, There's been a couple of rounds of it. Apparently it came in maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and she's looked at it and and she's going to have some different opinions on it. It's not saying it's great, but looking at it from a high-performance level, it's not going to help you necessarily win medals. But look, I, I look at the point of view that if you can lose 10 15 kilograms from it then yeah. you're going to perform better but i think from a elite, elite performance maybe it's not the it's not the silver bullet one of the reasons i struggle with grant Schofield's book because like he's really good but he does a lot of, he a lot of his stuff isn't really backed by real in-depth the, the science is not there no, no. And, and a lot of stuff he quotes is ones where it's, it's taste test studies where it's only using four or five people and so there's not much credibility to studies like that you know, and so it's like, it's like while, you know, the trend and thinking does seem to be shifting, we need more science. Yeah, we absolutely. That but that science takes a long yeah, time and to catch up. funding and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But it is, you know, it is, it's interesting, John. It's interesting. Mm. It's interesting. So guys, remember, um, 
this is the last week for the orders for the I Am Talk gear, so get on that. Um, we also have a Legends of Triathlon podcast coming out uh, later this week as well, so check it out. That'll do. That'll do? Yep, we've got to keep moving. You just realised you had to do Legends, didn't you? Yep. And then you're like, oh, that'll do. We're done. Iron Russ. I mean, no. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.